Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to episode 60 of the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Everyone that's a a long-time listener of the show recognizes me. I'm Brent Griffith, and Whitney, say hi, buddy. Hey, man. How's it going? Man, are you a little under the weather? You don't sound exactly right. You okay? Uh, you know, Skyskipper's been wearing me down a little oh, bit. Oh, has man. it? Is it taking its toll on your body, man? We're not getting any younger, Whitney. That's for sure. <laughs> a few people out there may recognize that voice. He's been on the show before. Mr. David Corrigan. How are you doing, David? Doing good. David is going to stand in for Whitney this month. And Whitney will probably tell you that uh, it's a marked improvement for the show. And I don't know if I would say the same. I, you're all neck and neck, David. Let's just go with that. Because I'll be seeing you soon, and I don't want any cross looks. How's that sound? Sure. I appreciate that. <laughs> Whitney has been tied up with, uh, as David mentioned, Skyskipper. Whitney has been actually out of the country. He's been in the UK. So if you've been actually following the Broken Token Facebook page and following us on Twitter, you've seen all of the pictures of the Skyskipper UK reveal at Arcade Club in Manchester. This was a maybe a week or so before this recording. This The actual reveal was on the 14th. And again, go out and check out the Facebook page. Check out you know, at Broken Token, Whitney's got tons of pictures out there of all the UK crew. Looked like it was a, a great event and they had a great time. I don't know, David, if you had a chance to even get out there and see any of that stuff? Yeah, I've seen some of the, the, the pictures and stuff. I mean, it, uh wish wish he, you know, was able to bring some friends along with him. That's all I got to say. Uh, you know? Well, you know, I, I tried to, like, huddle up and get in one of the suitcases, but he was gone for a couple of weeks. They made a nice long family vacation of it, and... I mean, I just, I wore out, I lost my space. He's got these really cool, I don't know about cool. Let's just say he's got these interesting, like, blue suede type shoe things with, like, wingtip things. He just really loves them, you know, and they're really big and kind of like a clown type shoe. I've said too much. I've said too much. Nonetheless, I didn't get to go. So David is filling in for Whitney this month. Whitney is not only doing that, but he's also, in all seriousness, he's got quite a bit of traveling, and we've talked a little bit about work schedules as of late. He's doing quite a bit of traveling this month. The more the majority of the month, he's actually, unfortunately, just kind of been away from home, and he's been all over. So Whitney misses everybody. Uh, he sends along his, you know, hey, how y'all doing? I hope to speak to you again soon. I know he will. But uh, we got David here, so everyone welcome next David. Best thing. The next best thing. <laughs> yeah. The next best Whitney. I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll see. We'll just see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Think of this as an audition, perhaps. All right. So, it's going well for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that everyone's aware, David, uh, and when I think of you, David, I think of Grand Old Game Room Expo in Nashville. And do you, so. Do you actually live in the the Nashville proper, or are you somewhere on the outskirts? And, and no, I'm in Nashville. Go ahead and yeah, get Metro Nashville. Go ahead and get every, downtown. Go ahead and give everyone your home address and your phone number. Yeah, sure. Just uh, Google Map. <laughs> look for me. You'll see like a, a bunch of arcade games sitting outside, and that'll be my house. <laughs> cool. So I'm sorry, I, I spoke over you there. You're actually in what? You're right in Nashville. Yeah, I'm in Nashville. Yep. And we've got David. Um, we've got David dialed in. Hopefully, we don't speak o- over each other too much as we're going along, since I, I'm sure there's a little bit of a delay. 
Yeah, a little bit. I have to have to slow it down, I guess. You know, like me with my with my southern accent, I actually am kind of kind of quick to speak. Where most most of us are a little slower. So I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. I gave David kind of the rundown. He's heard the show uh, the show before. I want to try to keep to that a little bit, but we're also going to do a little something different and, and take advantage of having an opportunity to speak with David and, and get some background on not only him, almost kind of like a mini interview, but also talk a little bit about in, the, in another segment about what it's like to put on a show and specifically Grand Ole Game Room Expo. Real quick, David, what's the dates of Grand Ole Game Room Expo? So November 10th through 12th. Okay, and that's in Nashville. So when this yep. show comes out, you'll have right around two weeks or so before Grand Old Game Room Expo. So, you know, if you're kind of on the fence, if you're thinking of coming, I would really recommend coming. You've, you know, everyone, if you're a listener of the show, you've heard us talk about Grand Old Game Room Expo before, how good of a time we had last year. Whitney and I are going to be back this year. Hopefully, we don't do anything to get us escorted out. And we're invited right, we'll, back. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, you know, it's touch and go at times. So, all right, real quick, let me, I want to lead with a correction. You know, always lead with your mistakes. And uh, so that's what I'm going to do. And last month, I spoke about a Mr. Christopher Franchi. And Christopher uh, had reached out to me in response to a for sale post I've got for that new old stock Data East Batman Playfield. I mentioned that a little bit on the last show. He was looking for some close-ups of some of the artwork so that he could go back and make some uh, um, some uh, 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 repairs. I'm not sure exactly sure how he was doing it, but he was going to make some repairs to a game that he's got, and he just needed some good head-on shots of a particular places in the play field. And Whitney and I just started basically just chatting about artwork on modern games in general, and I kind of went out on a limb, as I often do, and then I turned around, faced the tree, and started sawing on the limb and started talking about how, you know, some of these uh, later games are kind of put together and you kind of get the feel at times that they might be under the control of the licensor. It all depends on the licensor. So it turns out it was actually a little different with Batman 66. So uh, Christopher was kind enough to send me a. Uh, a pretty good explanation. I'm going to try to paraphrase here slash read a little bit of it. So I'm just not reading everything that he, he sent me word for word, so to speak. But Christopher said, I did all the art myself with the exception of the Batman logo and the sound effect pals, uh, which were supplied by Warner brothers. So he actually, like I said, you know, we were just kind of uh, chatting about, and, and I'll use the term, I know, I'm David, I'm sure you've heard it, the the uh, uh, photoshopped artwork, where the artist is oh, kind of, yeah. yeah, they're kind of hamstrung by the rights owner. So as it turns out, David got to do all the, uh, not David, I'm sorry, Christopher, you're David, he got to do all the art, art himself, and he had a couple assets that were handed to him, like the sound effect deals and the logo itself. He said everything was hand illustrated by himself, and due to the limited timeline, he did actually kind of reuse art from some other projects. So it sounds like he's worked with a licensor before. Uh, he'd done some uh, art that was used for, let's see, some figures. And uh, the main Batman and Robin art, originally he originally created for Warner Brothers, and it was used on box art for the animated full-length movie. 
So that's kind of where it all came from. At the end of the day, like I said, we were just kind of speculating that he he might have been under like a direct control, for example, of uh, of Warner Brothers. But he sounds like he was given pretty much, you know, reign to to do all the art himself. And unfortunately, just because of some time, he did actually. Um, he was able not unfortunately he was able to reuse some stuff that he already had and make it work in the machine and like i said have you gotten a good look david at a batman 66 yes i was at uh the pinball expo um a few weeks ago and played a bunch of it and it's a good looking machine oh it's uh, beautiful yeah Uh, i'd forgotten you were at expo we're gonna talk a little bit about that we'll have to talk about that here um when i kind of turn the spotlight to you so nonetheless, nonetheless, I wanted to bring that up and just kind of set the record straight that Christopher had actually done all the artwork uh, and they were hand rendered by him minus the couple little pieces that did come from Warner Brothers. So that was pretty cool. Um, I tell you what, let me roll in, David, to my general updates, just kind of let everybody know where I'm at. And then we're going to, like I said, we're going to swing that spotlight over to you. So get ready. All right. Oh man, you can you can keep it shining on you for a while. Just go with it. <laughs> and then, and seriously, uh, we we mentioned this before we start recording. If you got any questions or anything, just jump in. I mean, this this is you've heard the show, you know how it works. So, oh, I, I'll I'll derail it at some point. Oh, that's awesome. It. Yeah, no, no, perfect. You know, this we've probably actually set a record at this right now for not having derailed because usually we derail within like the first fourteen seconds. The first line leads to a derail. Yeah. All right. So pretty much my month arcade-wise has revolved around games that came in that buyout that I've been discussing. Uh, the, right. Fe- the Phoenix is gone. It did sell, and it actually sold to somebody local. So it has, uh, uh, it has pulled an Elvis and it has left the building. Uh, I still have my Vanguard, and actually, David, I'm going to, unless something happens now between now and showtime, I'm going to bring that down to Nashville. That's nice. the plan. I uh, still have the Batman pin and the play field. And that, that's kind of an interesting. That's one of those things that down the road, you're like, I could almost write a small book about what happens with something, you know, and all the interactions yeah. I've had with people, all the questions I've had. Uh, and I'm just going to leave it at, at questions, you know, because let's just let's just stay a little on the positive side here you know what i mean <laughs> well yeah we, we had a good long conversation about it one night too and then I, I could tell i was leading down the same path of probably what you're talking about and uh i was like nah, i don't need to give him advice on this game either so <laughs> i think it's the natural thing to do uh tell people what they should do with their games you know uh, i've had um I, and i appreciate that honestly i do I, i've I've had some uh, interesting interactions. I've had some interesting offers. I've had some interesting uh, queries. And, and to be honest with you, man, um, I kind of expected that because I'm not selling, uh, like I'm looking at my centipede right now. I'm not selling a centipede, something that is pretty much finite. You kind of know what you're getting. Yeah. I've got something that I'm trying to put together as a package, which is a the the pin in that play field. And to go as a unit, it has to go to that right person. You know, that, that Data East person, that Batman person, that Data East Batman person, and that person that has the desire and the drive and the talent 
to do something with that play field. So there's like one guy out there. You got to find him. Yeah, he's going to be my buddy. (laughs) So, you know, and it, I've kind of got my own methodology about it and I've kind of got my own thought about it. and, And there's reasons why I'm wanting to kind of do it as I am. And I don't, Maybe one day I'll tell that story on the show, but for now I'm kind of sticking to my uh, sticking to my original plan, and uh, I really kind of want it to go as as a unit. So now, if nothing happens with it between now and then, I'm going to go ahead and bring it to Nashville as well. Oh, nice! So, so it is it is fully playable and good. Oh yeah, yeah. Just just look out somewhere on it. Yeah, and it's I wouldn't call it. It's not filthy dirty. I honestly, I should probably should go out there and pop the glass off of it and just go ahead and give it a wipe down. I mean, but other than that, I mean, it, yeah, it's perfectly playable. I, I put it up out in the garage and, you know, played several games on it. And, you nice. know, it's, yeah, it's, it's not what I would call, um, it's not, it's not, as a unit, it's a project. Or if you bought, had just the pin, it would be a good pin to go through and do a real good shop on. But honestly, I mean, you could, it's probably, my high speed needs to be gone through, and it's probably in about the condition that the high speed was when I first put it in the game room, and all I've basically done is wiped the high speed down and done some basic cleanup on it. So, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, you can't restore every pinball machine. You can't, you know, every play field can't be spotless, so um, yeah, what you can with them, you know. Yeah. But no, no, it's perfectly playable. I mean, I could, other than if it was down here in the, in my game room, I could play it. It's just, it just, it's out in my garage right now, sitting there, you know, with, with the head. Yeah. The head's folded down on it. So, but yeah, like I said, if nothing happens with it between now and Nashville and, and and honestly, I I doubt that it will, uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring that down there, bring the play field down there. And and I've been kind of trying to concoct a, in my mind some way to make some kind of protective casing you know that 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 thing is who knows where it's been stored all these years and it's still in super super shape and mm-hmm. uh I, I don't want to do anything to risk any damage to it so i think i'm going to make some kind of sleeve or something to put it in and bring it down there with me so play field sleeve yes maybe, maybe that should be my next uh maybe that should be the next you know thing in the arcade hobby or playfield sleeves uh let's see so with uh the vanguard and all that kind of fun stuff getting kind of out of my way i brought in both of the trons so i had one tron that i've been sitting on for a long time and I, and i mean probably geez david at this point well i've been in this house almost said i've probably had that tr- this tron 10 years so wow. I, i've sat on that one and then i got one in the buyout and both are fairly nice. Each has their pluses and minuses. At the end of the day, I, I've I've got them in here now. I've still got them wrapped in some plastic. I just I really need to put an eye on them and just make a decision which one's going to be mine. And let's just be honest. I'm going to take two and make a really nice game, and I'm going to make my game from the parts. So I, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So those are here. Have you ever ordered anything, or have you ever even seen the Groovy Game Gear site? Yeah, I've actually uh, bought joysticks from there. I've made some like custom Atari arcade quality joysticks in the past, and so I, I bought like a wide variety of 
joysticks from everybody to try them all out. So I, I bought some from them. They got some good, some good stuff other people don't have. Yeah, they kind of. On one hand, I would almost say from the hip, they kind of cater to the main crowd because they do have like some generic. Generic's not even the right word. They have spinners. They have some things that are easily adaptable for MAME. That's probably a better way to put it. Yeah. But they also have, like you said, really cool joysticks to just different, if you want something different. And then did you get anything that was like LED lit? No, I was looking for leaf switch joysticks when I was sampling stuff from them. And they, they had one coming out, and I can't remember at this point, but it was hard to find ones that weren't like Sanwa micro switch. Mm-hmm. You know, I was trying to find good feeling like Wicco style leaf switch joysticks. And it was really hard to, to find a new alternative to that, you know? And, and now that you say that, I, I remember looking through the site before I ordered to see if there's anything that they had, anything else they had that I thought about picking up. And I do remember seeing those where they had the, they had leafed it, leaf switch joysticks. So did, did you yeah. get them? Yeah, and there was um I think I think the clearance was too I think it was too tall to fit in the case I was using. Oh, okay. I think it was a deal. There was some reason I I couldn't end up going with that one, but um but yeah, they were one of the few that that had like a new alternative that, you know, I could get a, a decent quantity of. That's what I was looking for. So if anybody out there listening, if you haven't checked them out, it's Groovy Game Gear, G R O O V Y gamegear.com now what I bought from them and why this relates to the Tron is they years ago got a hold of the Midway um, molds for your Midway flight sticks so if you don't know it the stick that's on a Gorf the stick that's on a Tron the stick that's on a Satan's Hollow and I want to say they use that stick on something else um, I know that on like there was a they didn't make many of them. There was a game called Two Tigers. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, David. Um, yeah, I remember that one. Now, did With you the, uh, flight flight yokes kind of thing? Yes. On there, right? If if I'm remembering correctly, the dedicated Two Tigers had a had like you said like a flight yoke deal, and each side was one of the sticks like from a gorf. It was cast in black plastic. So oh. if you had the game with the two yokes, you had four of these sticks on it. Anyway, years ago, they got a hold of the original molds, and then they started remaking the Tron. They, they make them all. They make them in, like, the black and then the correct blue for Tron and the correct red for Satan's Hollow. I, I bought one of the Trons years ago just in case that it all went away. Right. So I had that on the shelf, and it turned out that it didn't. So they still have them, and they're still the same price. They're $25 a piece. And that gets you the, the stick halves, and then a new trigger, so the red trigger, and then I, there's a screw that comes with it, and I think that actually goes through the center, like where the, the trigger pivots or something. I haven't taken one apart in forever. They're 25 bucks. You can't beat that. Man. No. And they're beautiful. They've got that same texture and everything. Um, and they also carry the little inserts, too, like for, you know, Satan's Hollow and Tron and Gorf that, that go right in the, like where your thumb would go, like on the flight stick when you're playing the game. Yeah. 
So th- that's what that's what I ordered from them. If you ever, you know, if you've got any of those uh, any of those midway games that have the flight stick and the flight sticks, you know, because they break out and uh, they've even got little screw kits too, so you don't have to go hunt up the screws. Or like it's like two bucks. Check out Groovy Game Gear. So I I ordered some of those. I had the one on the shelf. Um, the Tron that I had had a Gorf stick on it, so it had the black plastic stick on it. The Tron that I got, it the, the halves are glued together, so it had broken somewhere in its life, and it was glued together. And honestly, I ordered an extra one because at 25 bucks, just in case I needed it down the road and I had it in hand and I was already having stuff shipped to the house, so I ordered a spare. So uh, if, if you're looking for, if you're looking for, you know, like I said, those flight sticks definitely look at groovy game gear. Tron wise, the only other stuff I kind of got going on with those right now. I, like I said, I haven't dug into them. Uh, the the game that I got in the buyout, the power supply has I know it has battery corrosion on it with a battery leaked, so I need to decide what to do with that. And then the one that I've always had, I, I pulled it a long time ago, so I've got it and. I want to say I rebuilt it when I was years ago when I was getting my Domino Man kind of up to snuff because it's the same power supply. They're both MCR2s. So I've got, I know I've got another one on the shelf done, ready to go, a a factory power supply. And I think that's when I did it. Nice. So that's ready to go. And I also have one of the, um, the arcade shop MCR2 conversion kit dealies that you convert to a switcher sitting around. And, and honestly, have you ever messed with those, David? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I've used them in a few different. Like I've um, in some Taito games, I've used them because those I didn't want to rebuild those power supplies, and um, you know, they were super convenient. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not really much of a purist as far as the power section goes mm-hmm. in a whole game. You know, as long as the the real boards and stuff are in there, I can I can live with that. You know. Well, and I've used them in some. Uh, like, did you do it in like in Space Evaders? Uh, no, I was like uh, Jungle King. Oh, and, okay, um, okay. Elevator Action, those guys. They had like a proprietary, you know, plug for all that stuff. I'm thinking of uh, you said you said Taito. I, I was thinking Space Invaders, but the Midway Space Invaders. You know, with the L-shaped board arrangement in it. Yeah, they're a, they're. Uh, the power supplies are linear power supplies in them, and they're they're pretty simple. But you know, honestly, by the time you you hunt up the 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 caps for it, because they're kind of large, high value caps, so they're a few bucks each. You're not too far off from one of their conversion boards and a switcher. Yeah. You know, for the trouble. So I, I've used those before, and honestly, man, when I'm probably uh, I've said it before on the show. I tend to try to put back the factory power supplies. And um, uh, case in point, long ago, and it may have gotten better, I, I honestly haven't kept up with it, on the MCR games like Tron and Satan's Hollow and uh, um, Domino Man and Spy Hunter, there there is there was this deal at one point in time where you, you would get, use one of those conversion boards and put a switcher in it, and you would get like this weird hum in the speaker. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that. Not the hum, but have you ever heard of that happening? Yeah, I've, I've I read that somewhere. I don't I don't own uh, any of that that era of game. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, love to have Spy Hunters, especially man. That's one of my 
favorites. But, but yeah, I have heard there were some kind of issues with putting it, putting that kind of conversion in a few different types of games. You know. Well, you know, if anybody out there has has used that MCR board and they've got any feedback, let us know. Like Brent at BrokenToken.com or hit us up on Facebook. Um, or send us a tweet. We'll, we'll, you know, I'll see it. Whitney tends to get the Twitter stuff. We all know that, but you know, and this was ten years ago. I, I haven't had an opportunity to use one until recently when I did that spy hunter repair for the gentleman as part of this buyout. It went in like a breeze. The only thing that I had to do was kind of figure out uh, mounting and like some standoffs, which was no big deal because it's going to be different in every every game. They really can't really include something for you. I understand that. And it worked like a charm. So um, when I bought that one for the Spy Hunter, this is when I bought the spare. So I kind of had it in my back pocket, figuring that one of the Trons was going to end up with it. So, And right now I have nothing to lead me to believe that it won't just work. So we'll see. I'll let everybody know. Um, Board-wise, I know I've got one board that works. I've tested one of the boards, and I haven't tested the other one. So... Um, could get interesting here in the next few days when if I have to get in and do any board work. Uh, fingers crossed that I don't have to do anything. So, well, it's nice when you got two two of the same game there. I mean, that speeds things along. It does. Time. It does. And, and honestly, man, that's why I decided to go ahead and pull mine out of out of storage. And I, I've wanted it down here forever. And it you you hit the nail on the head when you've got a couple games and you can play one off of another. Man, it makes things so much easier. So wait, you've had a Tron for a long time and it wasn't in your game room? Yes, exactly. Ugh, kill me, man. <laughs> well, you know, here's here's the interesting thing. And this is, I, I, I'm sure you've heard the old thing, you know, good guys never win, right? Yeah. Well, that I don't necessarily think that's true because some of the better games I've got, I have gotten just being, is, is, you know, I, it's not like I go around trying to do anything nefarious, but I just being straight up honest with people and not trying to snake them on something or whatever. And that the Tron and the Gorf I have down here right now are perfect examples. Years ago, a guy came on cloth and he was just asking some general, hey, uh, he may have got these from his church. I can't remember how he got them. He was a car guy. And I, when I went to his house, I realized he liked to restore uh, the old visible globe uh, the visible gas pumps you know the old like from what is that the 30s or the 20s or whatever oh, yeah. you know what i'm talking about yeah he he liked to restore those and he kind of had that he kind of had that american pickers type vibe you know where he had you know like gasoline and gas and oil signs on the side of his building and all that kind of fun stuff so in all the mix he had these two games he had a tron and he had a gorf and he was just asking some questions and I got into kind of a PM conversation with him off channel. And I was just like, try this, look here, do this, do whatever. And, you know, we got a little ways down the road and I could tell he wasn't gaining much. And I just I said, you know, honestly, man, if you want to sell them, if you get to the point where you want to pass them on, just let me know. Otherwise we'll just keep going until we get something working. And it went on for a little bit. And eventually he just said, you know, I, I just, I, I, I need to move on. I can't remember exactly what he said no he came to the decision to sell them and i jumped in a truck with my grandfather which was this was awesome because you know he was getting up and definitely getting up in age in that time and we'd always been pretty close so he and i took a a a ride up to indy like out in the way outskirts kind of 
countryside area of Indianapolis and the, literally the, the, the whatever little town this was on the outskirts of Indy, it literally had a post office and a traffic light. And then he lived outside of that. That's where all the games I go, they're always way out there in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And, and it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm just driving, 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 and then just all of a sudden, boom, there's a house and, you know, a farmhouse and a big garage and all kinds of stuff. And he had, he had these two games and, you know, we, we worked out the deal and put them in the back of the truck and my grandfather and I headed on back to Louisville. So, and the, the gore I long since repaired and it's been in my game room for a long time and the Tron, I just never got to, it just kept getting pushed back and back and back. And now it's, now I'm staring at it right now. Yeah, I have put games away for years too, so I can't I can't say too much. But they weren't a Tron, so they weren't. <laughs> oh, I have to ask you because I know you've picked up some games. Get ready for uh, Grand Old Game Room Expo. We'll have to I have to make a note here. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, because I know at least one that came from me. Yep. Yeah, I'm I, yeah. I'm excited. Hopefully that you got that together. Okay, sorry, right, real quick too. Let me touch on this. Uh, last show or so, I've mentioned that the game room is switching around, and I sh- that, that's definitely happened. So uh, I mentioned the Vanguard went out, so that made up some space. My pack mini come from a back corner, and I kind of nestled it into this hole that I didn't realize that I had, so to speak, if you can imagine that, next to my Tempest. It's a very cozy way to describe that. Well, I had stuff over in this little space between my Tempest and what is actually the laundry room door because my game room is in my basement and I had a speaker, a floor speaker over there and I had a life-size cutout of Elvis. Well, as you should. As, as you should, yes. And um, I've just kind of come to the decision that it's time for Elvis to leave the building. <laughs> Elvis, this... It, here's the story on the Elvis. Um, Elvis belonged to my mom and what he was was... Uh, a couple years ago, the the Kentucky State Lottery had Elvis scratch-offs, and my family happened to come across one of the standees that would go in a store to advertise the scratch-offs. And so, you know, it was kind of a thing that was in a corner down in mom's basement with over, over with some collectibles, and um, eventually it ended up over here. And it's just one of those things, like, I don't know, David, did you hear that episode several episodes ago where I talked about the multi-cade that, that I'd built for mom and how how I finally, it just got to the point where it was, my sister and I made the decision it was time. I don't yeah. Know. And that's kind of where Elvis is right now. <laughs> let's just, let's Elvis just, time. yeah, let's just stay a little lighthearted about it. Yeah. It's, El, it's time for Elvis to leave the building. So yeah, I took that out of the corner and it made a perfect spot for that mini. So that went in over there. And uh, I had two Nintendo Versus. I already pulled one of them out, and it's out in cold storage now, out in the garage. And the other one I set up was Super Mario Brothers and Excite Bike. So I've got one of those left down here. I moved a pole position out of its hole over by the pinballs and put it over the other side of the room where the, um, the, the Versus came out. And then I brought my Jurassic Park pinball that I picked up uh, like two months ago that was sitting out in my building. We 
uh, I wheeled it down here for somebody. A buddy of mine came over and we picked it up and carried it across the threshold, and it's down here in the game room now. So the head, it's in the lineup, but the head's still down. I've actually kind of got to get it all prepped and all fired back uh-huh. up. But yeah, it's um, I've had I've had a decent little shakeup down here, and I still feeling I don't know um, when the Tron comes out. It's it's gonna have to go somewhere. So like right now, I've, I'm set up where I've got one game that sits out in the middle of the floor, and that's Burger Time. And at least through the holiday season, when I have the family over and I do a big birthday party in December, have everybody come over in the game room, it may sit out in the middle of the floor back to back with the Burger Time. I haven't decided. Otherwise, I think my full size Pac Man it's probably on the short list. But uh, fair enough, you know. You see Pac-Man all the time, so. And, and I've got the mini, and I, I, well, I, I think I'm going to put, I've got the 96, and, have you ever used one of Mike Doyle, any of Mike Doyle's kits, like the 96 and one pack? Yeah, those are nice. Oh, yeah. they're sweet. It, I've got one in the in the full size, I'm thinking about just moving it over to the mini. The mini's got Pack Plus in it right now, just kind of converting it back to a standard pack and then putting the 96 and one on it, and then just being it, done with it. Are those still available, or was that was a long time ago, right? No, they're still available. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually, I, I was looking into them not too long ago because I was looking to see if I needed to change out any of the proms. When you put a Pac-Man Plus kit on a Pac-Man, you change out the, the proms, programmable read-only memory, not the EPROMs, but the proms. And yeah, you have to have the pack miss pack proms in it. I actually emailed Mike and Mike turned right around, and got back with me real quick and but yeah, they're still up on the site. Nice. Yeah, and they're uh I wanna say they I have to look here in a second when, when I get opportunity. I wanna say they the from the first run to the what he's got now, they're down like they're less they came down fifty dollars. They're fifty dollars cheaper. Oh. So There you go. So anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of what I've had going on. And between now and your show, I'm going to be working on the Trons and, you know, just trying to knock stuff out because I'm going to be getting ready for the holidays. I, I host the family over here for Thanksgiving, and then I usually have, um, unless, the, unless the creek rises and I get washed out, the first Saturday in December, I have a big party over here. So it's like crunch mode nice. for me. Yeah. Yeah, the holidays always turn into, you know, trying to clean up the game room and get well, then, things working mode. And then somebody schedules a show right there in November. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's it's early November, <laughs> you know. All right, so let's turn uh, let's turn the uh, spotlight to you, David. So, uh, like, what's in your what's in your collection, and like, what's your what's your history? How did you get started in in in, in the arcade hobby? So. Currently, I've got about 65 games, um, but about about 20 or so of those I bought after I started doing the expo. So I I kind of hovered around around 40 for a long time, and uh, I mean that's kind of what fits in my house house slash garage at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so the expo. The extra games is that so that you just have a, a a little different variety and kind of a um, a tailored collection to help augment the show. Yeah, after after the first show, I was um, 
there's just some different things I wanted that I didn't think many collectors would bring. Some driving games. Um, I actually picked up a couple of ski ball machines. Oh, sweet! And and then uh, a few classics that I thought, and you know, a show really needs this or that. And I'm still looking for some of that, but I kind of feel like you need that that baseline of classics at the show. If you go go to a show and there's like, well, there's no Galaga, you're kind of like, well, where, you know, where's Galaga at? Um, well, you you almost think that everyone, you know, Galaga is kind of a common game, but everybody probably thinks. The other guy's bringing, or the other person's bringing a Galaga. Yeah, like nobody seems to want to bring those titles because, you know, I guess for most collectors, too, they're the most common. They're not as exciting. They want to show off some other game that they picked up that's more rare or something and uh, that that may not have the, you know, the broad appeal, like, you know, to to just average game fans who Mm -hmm. aren't super collectors and stuff, you know. So, so, but, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. But yeah, so, I mean, I, I started collecting about, it's probably been about 18 years when, uh, when we, when we got our first house, uh, my wife and I, that, um, I, I was looking for a house that had a basement for that, for that purpose primarily to, you know, be able to have some games finally. Did you get a walkout basement or did you get stairs? Yeah. Walkout basement. Oh yeah. That's the way so, to go. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not taking stuff down the basement stairs. That that'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I've done my my old house was like that, and yeah, that was a prerequisite to move. Was the house had to have easy access to whatever was going to be the game room. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So and it had a single single door for the walkout, and eventually I put a double door back there, uh, so I can get bigger games in because I. I I bought some stuff that I realized wouldn't fit through a door at one point. So I had to, of course, change out the door, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, most of, most of my, sim, it's kind of a mix, almost exclusively arcade for most of my collecting. Cause I didn't really know how to, how to work on pinball. And then plus it wasn't what I played, you know, all the time as a kid, I, I usually played arcade games stuff like gauntlet uh so you, you, and I, Slayer. you and i are right there in about that same age range which is early 40s so yeah by the time we were in the arcade video was king at that point oh absolutely yeah 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 i was you know you still see some classics around but like i didn't spend a ton of time on space invaders and stuff you know i kind of mm-hmm. missed that section but i still play like a bunch of karate champ kung fu master uh, like I said, Dragon's Lair was one that, that I looked for for a long time. Uh, stuff like Tempest and Centipede. And um, then then I have, I have several, like Akari Warriors, I have Victory Road, um, a few Sega games, Alien Syndrome, Super Hang On. So, so um, what's some of the unique, more, u- well, you know, I don't want to get into that because I, I know I want to have... In the next section, I want to dive in a little bit into actually what it's like to put on a show because this is a this is a real good opportunity to kind of uh, pick the brain and of a show organizer and see behind the cut behind the um, behind the curtain, so to speak. But you know what? Well, this was oh, pro- crazy back there. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. But the, well, no, this probably fits here because I guess it is kind of your collection. What's what's some of the more unique pieces that you have picked up? for your collection 
with you know with an eye toward taking them and taking them to the show for people to play. So here here lately I was on this uh, this kick for a snake pit because um, one of my buddies here in town had a had a dedicated one okay. a couple years ago. And that wasn't even a game I remember. I, I never saw one as a kid, so I wasn't, you know, tied to it for nostalgia reasons. But um, hearing hearing my buddy talk about his his like it was his holy grail, so it was his quest. We talked about it for years when I buy games from him. Oh, so and he finally got one. I thought that's he a, didn't have one at that point. Yeah, I thought it was a Bally uh, Cinti game, and that sure enough, it is, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was their first uh, Cinti game they released. So um, it comes in that, it, uh, if you uh, remember seeing these, it's like a big white looking, mm-hmm. they call it like the refrigerator style cabinet. It has yeah. these big it's, it, uh, plastic pieces that hang off the side. And the, you kind of stick your head in it almost. The side of it almost looks like, um, like, like the Sega captain's chair for Star Trek. You know, like the cockpit yeah. for Star Trek, and the end of it where the monitor is kind of like this white plastic vacuum form dealy. Well, imagine that a little bit smaller, and then stuck on a on a pedestal almost to form like a standard upright format of a cabinet. That's what it looks like. Yeah, and these these cabinets are they're kind of, they're really different. Like it's a it's a metal framed cabinet, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but the whole system they made was you could change out the game kits really fast. So the control panel unbolts and comes right out, and then the game or they're on like a daughter board you plug yep. in. So you could swap them on location. Um, most of the cabinets had just generic Bally Cinti side art. The Snake Pit was the exception that actually had its own side art and stuff on it. So when I first started collecting... The first group of games I bought um, in that group was a Bally Sente cabinet, but it wasn't this cabinet that we're describing. The cabinet that I had, um, I, I think it was uh, less common, it was more like a typical upright in that it was full wood sides, and I want to say it was heavy as sin. Like, yeah. like it was uh, like almost like Atari would have made the silly thing, you know, but it was wooden. Yeah. And the on that cabinet that I had, it had like, if memory serves, it had a good sized, like vertically oriented door on the front of it that you could open up. And then this carriage would slide out and it had the motherboard mounted vertically and the soundboard. And in the very front, there was that card. Is, is this yep. cabinet similar to that? Yeah, so both of them, um, I've got one of those style, too. That's okay. The, I think they call it the Sack B. Yes, that's both it. Both of yep. them are, yep. uh, they both have the front accessible boards, and they, they the whole chassis slides right out with the, the main board on one side and the sound and the power on the opposite side. Okay. And that card plugs right in. So it, it was really well designed, now, I mean, as far as. Now are the control panels ex- cha- exchangeable between those two form factors? Yeah, they are. Okay, now yeah. that I didn't know. Uh, I sold that game. I had a Night Stalker in it. I don't know if you've ever played that game. Yeah, that had the steering wheel and the gun on it, right? Right. You drive. You were kind of like an on-rails driver, and you had a little 
you know, left, right latitude. And you were basically just driving a distance. You weren't trying to like avoid things, but you were trying to hit like these little gems or diamonds or something. So within the confines of the play field, you had some left, right movement. And then you would get to like a base and you'd have to pull the gun out. And then you had to shoot the enemies as they popped up in the windows of the base. Something like that. Yeah. Buddy yeah, they, they had some. Go ahead, go ahead. No, they had some, they had some interesting games. They uh, kind of hit or miss on some of the themes. You know, some were interesting, some were not. So. It isn't, is, uh, wasn't, okay, now I'm going to say this very carefully with my accent and all. Didn't they have a game called Chicken Shift? Yep. Hey, you said it, said it without uh, <laughs> saying the other thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a family-friendly show. Yes, yes. <laughs> Man, this, the Snake Pit graphics looks pretty cool. It looks like an Indiana yeah. Jonesy kind of a deal, where you're literally yeah, like in a pit with snakes and you've got a whip. Yeah, it's got the. Uh, it plays the William Tell or- Overture. Mm-hmm. I'm saying say that correctly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Welcome to the show. That's. It, well, you just just overdub that later. Yeah. And. Uh, but it's cool. Yeah, you play with a trackball and a joystick, so you you move with one and then whip in any direction with the other. So it's it's pretty pretty cool game. It's probably one of the better ones they made, and um, th- you know it has the best look of graphics out of the lot too. I think I've still got a daughter card loaded up with street sports football or something like that or street something football. Yeah, street football. I think that was one of them. Let's see here. Um, I was just looking through the the game title here for something. There's Night Stalker, uh, Hat Trick, Mini. I heard. I think the mini golf is really cool too. I've it seems, that seems familiar. Like I've heard a lot about that. Mm. Yeah, you see a lot of the mini golf kits and the Hat Trick. Those are probably the two most popular. Okay. Um, and then I've got Stalker. The, the first one, which I think is really fun. It's kind of top-down looking like a sprint, super sprint would be, but you're you're just trying to avoid the cops and get get through uh, all these cities without running out of gas kind of thing. It's, it's a pretty fun game. Yeah, team foot... Um, oh, yeah, street football. Yeah. That's, what, that's the title of it. And actually, if you look at the street football... On Clov, it's got a picture of the other cabinet, the standard wood side cabinet. And I thought it was gray. Is yours got the the like a ribbon with Cinti cut out of it and like a teal down the side of it? Yeah, it's it's kind of green, maybe a little on the teal side, but it might but just yeah, be this picture. Um, yeah, it's just got kind of Cinti and some green looking stripes on the side. The front's just black, you know. Yeah, every once in a while, like I said, I, I sold that game to a buddy of mine, and every once in a while I hit him up and say, hey, you, you know, if you're ever interested in selling it, hit me back up. You know, years ago, I, 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 it, it wasn't something I actually just kind of wanted to keep around, but now that I realize that it's something you don't ever see, I, I kind of want it back. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, they're very, I mean, they're very uncommon except for those couple of games, but even I had a hard time finding a cabinet just to put the snake pit parts in. So I ended up buying a lot that had the control panel, the boards and the cart in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean the boards and stuff that the main boards you can find on eBay and cause those are common between all of them. 
but it's the control panel and the uh, the game card uh, that that are really hard to find. So I came across a set and picked those up, and then I've been trying to piece the rest of it together after that. Now, if memory serves, this is going to get real into the weeds. The cards have a prom on them, and I thought the prom. I'd have to go pull the card out that I've got. I know where it's at. I thought the prom had a marking on it, like it was almost like a pseudo security chip that was tied to the game so that like operators couldn't just like clone the EPROMs and make more copies of the game. They had to have the prom as well, which was a a little higher barrier to entry to copy. And I want to say that when I had that game just for laughs, I swapped the EPROMs across between Night Stalker and the football and it worked just fine. Have you ever mess with that yeah i think a lot of games are interchangeable they made they made some different boards that had uh a different number of of slots for chips mm-hmm. so some games you just can't swap because the the design's a little different but gotcha. i think i think if it's a game that that fits in those number of slots i think a lot of them you can just swap the chips around you're good to go well, if anybody out there's got any Bally Cinti games, I mean, you know, give us a shout. Let us know. It's like I said, it's something that I think one day I'm going to own again, if if for anything, because my buddy's just decided, or his wife has decided, it's time to you know uh, redecorate the basement. Their kids have grown; they've moved on. It's the only game they've got, and you know they're tired of putting sweaters on it, like using it as, as, a, as a drying rack or something. So I have a feeling one day I'm going to get it back, but. Um, do you have any pinballs in your personal collection? So I do now. Yeah, I've got um, the first pinball I bought uh, was quite a while back. I bought this game at auction. It was a, an Atari Middle Earth. Um, paid three hundred bucks for it at one of our local auctions, and that's that's kind of an oddball as as I've found. I don't know why I gravitate towards these oddball games, but I do a lot um, as well, man. I mean, the price the price was right and it, it was working so oh well, okay that's a, um, that's a plus because usually they're a little dodgy from what I understand yeah um, I, I think I mean it's been really solid since I got it home and went through it it did uh, catch on small fire at one point <laughs> but, um, small fires and it stayed contained within the game yeah so I mean when I bought it a couple of the 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 pop bumpers weren't working. So, of course, me not knowing anything about pinball, I go home and start looking at it. And I'm like, huh, these things are unplugged. So I plug them back in. Not thinking that and, they uh, might have been unplugged for a reason? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you never know. Auction stuff, man. You don't know what's happened to yeah, good. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I fire the game up. And, it, you know, it seems to play okay. And then I had a buddy over. And uh, I, I just left this stuff plugged in. And apparently, you know, the the coils were locked and the voltage was rising and rising. And, it just uh, heated them up and burned them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The little little flame came up on the board down there, and, uh, and my buddy's like, "Yeah, I think that's your problem right there," you know. And uh, so, um, but uh, you know, I, play, I replaced the coils, replaced those two uh, transistors on there. So, how many pop bumpers does uh, it have? Two. I'm looking. I need to look I think it up. It's got three. I think it has three. Okay, so those that could be two. You had you had whichever you had a couple that were locked on, and instead of eh, it looks like there's two, but this is kind of a far away picture. One of the uh, one of the slingshots was unplugged. I think maybe just one of the pop bumpers was unplugged. Oh, okay. 
I think it has two, and then it has four flippers. So well, there, was a few, there was a few things that were unplugged, and you know, me not knowing why or that you could actually damage a machine like that. So you know, um, if I told if I told you I had never unplugged or cut a coil just to get a game playing for the short the short term, if I told you I'd never done that, I'd be lying to you. So I understand. <laughs> Uh, unless it's the auto plunge and then if you know especially if it's a game that doesn't have a a manual plunger then then you're just kind of out of luck you kind of got to fix that (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah that was my first first uh pin to pick up and it's it's kind of an odd really cheesy looking artwork it's a wide body and uh it's an atari to top it all off but uh, i thought it was fun but that was the only one i sat on for a long time and then a couple of years ago, I picked up um, two EMs. I picked up a, uh, a Rancho, which is a, a Williams game, and then uh, a Liberty Bell, which is about the same, maybe a year difference, another Williams game. So they kind of look, feel really similar. I'm looking and these then, up as uh, we go. Now, were they, were they working, or did you have to dive into the you know the Nick Baldridge EM world and try to get those working? Now, they were working, but they some things would get stuck every once in a while, mm-hmm. you know, but it wasn't like dead. And then they were nasty as could be, um, that rancho especially, but man, it, it cleaned up really nice. Like all this gunk just wiped off and it's uh, it's pretty, pretty nice looking play field and everything now. Um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Liberty Bell and I can tell you right now, I already like the back glass. I'm a fan of that. And that looks, I like that. It's a good-looking game. It, it's it's a similar layout to Grand Prix. Um, it's got like these two spinners on the sides. Uh, it's it's only two-player, but um, I don't it, know that it plays exactly the same. But it, it kind of has that that same layout. The the play field lit- literally looks like Captain America and Uncle Sam threw up in it. I mean, it yeah, is red, white. Fantastic. I know it is fantastically awesome. And the the slingshots they look like the the classic Captain America um, shield, yeah, with like a slingshot pattern cut out of the middle with the star in the middle. I mean, it is just crazy. That's pretty neat. What's that kind of right there in the middle? Is that like two drop? There's looks like a, like a triangle thing right in the middle with the bell on the plastic. Is there two drop targets in front of that? Yeah, yeah, two drop targets. Yeah, that's neat. That's a cool looking game. Now, are you going to have these at the expo? I should have them there. Yeah, they're. I think I think Rancho has has a problem right now about cycling to the second player. Like something's getting stuck there. But um, I'm hoping to have those just working good when I when I take them out there. Now, did did you hear my story last uh, last month about shocking myself on my nippet, where I reached in and I yeah. gr- oh my gosh. So I'm glad you went over that story because I had no idea that was a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess what I didn't either until I did it. Yeah. So for if anyone like if you're a new listener, uh, one of the games I've kind of talked about quite often is is uh, as a Nippet, and it's an EM game. I think it's 1972, and I've never owned an EM game. The pins, everything that I've worked on, I've worked on a lot of Williams, a lot of Gottlieb, a lot of Stern. Um, pretty much everything but it's all been solid state all right so the switch is in a solid state game i mean 
whatever. I don't even honestly know if they're five volts. I, I really don't even know what's on the switch matrix. I've never had to really think about it. Regardless, it's low voltage, low current, and it's nothing to reach in, grab a switch, adjust it while the game is on, and go on with life. Well, in an EM game, you've got, um, like, I'd have to go back, Nick Baldridge told me, I think it was 30 some odd volts, and of course, however much current you need when that switch closes to activate the stepper motor that does whatever that switch does. And like in the case of the plumb bob, for the tilt mechanism, it does whatever it does in the game and hits the stepper to move the wheel to tilt the game. So you have like 30 some odd volts and however much current available on that on right there on that switch to make that coil fire. And if you grab it with your hand, yeah, you it goes through your hand. <laughs> it, it makes the jump through you. So, yeah, yeah, don't 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 do that, David. Don't do that. Don't make the mistake yeah, I did. See, that, that, that's why I've been scared of pinball for all these years. <laughs> things like that. But, um, but yeah, and then this, this last year I picked up uh, some more modern stuff. So I picked up a, uh, a Williams Road Kings. Okay, yep. And, um, that's a cool, that's a cool little game. A, that is, it's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I really like that one. I didn't know I never played one, but once I got it all set up and cleaned really well, man, it, it plays great. So, um, and then I got a uh, Terminator 3 and a NASCAR. So those are kind of, uh, you know, the more modern era of Stern stuff. A little bit older, but, you know, still mm-hmm. what you think of for modern pins. So what, uh, um, tell everybody, mention the game that, that you picked up for me, and I'm kind of interested to know what condition it's in now if you've had an opportunity to mess with it. So that was Twin Racer, right? Yep. That was the uh, key games. Looks like a same era of Sprint and Le Mans and all that, the, the overhead, little black and white cars. Mm-hmm. And this is a two-player one, two-player side-by-side. Pretty cool-looking cabinet. And, you know, it's uh, about the same condition it was when I picked it up from <laughs> you. <laughs> it's just in a different location. <laughs> Still has the uh, shrink wrap on it. So... I'm not very uh, optimistic about that getting done in the next couple weeks. Well, man, I understand that. I understand that. And, and um, yeah, the funny thing with it was, is I, you know, I had it sitting out here, and and for those that don't know, the short of it was was back in the day, and I don't. I'm probably gonna get me wrong on the specifics. If anybody knows any better, let us know. Brent at BrokenToken.com or Whitney at BrokenToken.com or uh, Dave will give his home email, his home address later. You can mail him a letter or show up at three o'clock in the morning and discuss Atari and Key. But um, exactly there when Atari was in its kind of in its early heydays starting to do, you know, black and white games in the in the 70s following up Pong. My feeling is from what I've read and what I understand talking to older operators is, is that you had almost like a mini turf war in terms of distributorships. So if you were an Atari dealer, you were kind of locked in and Atari as part of you being a dealer couldn't have another dealer within so many miles or so such a distance or whatever. And the way, the way Atari kind of doubled up sales is I think it was Bushnell had a neighbor and his, his name was Key, K-E-E, his last name. So they started key games 
and uh, the key games were direct copies of the Atari games, but they were sold as key games. So you might have an Atari, you know, distributorship, and a guy on the other side of town might have a key distributorship. And you're from Atari's perspective, they're kind of double dipping because they're licensing or selling games as key games through key games, and however much they were, however that business relationship worked out. So the Twin Racer that you have now, David, was actually a Grand Track Twenty. It's the same game from Atari. Okay. Yeah. And let's see. Let's see. Key games during Twin Racer was produced. Uh, Tank Spike, Tank Two, Elimination, and Formula K, which, which were all key brand key branded games of Atari games. Anyway, anyway, but yeah, I knew I kind of knew it was acting up on that game. And if memory serves, I pretty much had it all working other than needing a cap kit electrically. I had it all working and playing before you showed up to get it. Yeah, Yeah, I was kind of hoping that I could just clean it up really nice and it might be playable enough to take. Uh, We'll see. Uh, You know, because, yeah, it did seem like you were telling me all these problems and then you're out there fiddling with it and you're like, huh, you were driving around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the the big thing was is I thought an opto was bad and it finally occurred to me that the optos are just open under the control panel. So I reached up in there with a cloth and I just like threaded it, you know, where the through the opto and dusted it out and there I was, I was driving around the track. It was all it was, it was just dirty. I was like, son of a gun and so I tell you the the it, it, I'd be interested to know if you or if anybody else has any answers for these. That game had the same wheel steering wheels on it as a pole position. And if you take those caps off, I've got one out in the garage. I can't remember the name, but they were they were third-party we aftermarket wheels, actually for cars. So if you pop that cap and look at that bolt pattern, that bolt pattern was the common bolt pattern. Like if you had a Ford or a Chrysler or whatever, you would buy for your aftermarket wheel, you almost like a radio adapter, but it was for your steering column. I don't know if you've ever messed with this stuff or not. So it would adapt your Ford or your Chevy or Dodge or whatever to this common bolt pattern and then you could go into the aftermarket and buy an aftermarket wheel and the wheels on pole position that nice chain that chain wheel looking thing dude dude, i am i am so if i can find one of those at at the next swap meet i am so going to put one of those on my pole position seriously i i didn't even think of that you are especially if i can get one that's like the little itty bitty like the little six inch ones you know what i mean the little itty bitty Oh, right. like you used to see in the low riders. Mm-hmm. Oh my, that would one year I did this thing at one of my parties where I had a, a like a twenty or twenty five dollar gift certificate from like Home Depot or Lowe's or whichever it was, and it was a high score contest, and it that game was crazy all night playing it. People trying to win that gift card, and now you make me think because I've heard of people doing that with pinballs, but they'll put a. Do you know what a Powerball is from a from a Twilight Zone? It's the, that the uh, that's a white one. It's right? the white one that's light, so it really zips around, and it's it's got a different play f- feel to play it. They'll put like a Powerball, or they replace all the balls in their game with with Powerballs, and they'll run like a tournament or a contest on it just to make it play different. I, if I can get one of those like six or eight inch chain link wheels, I'm so putting <laughs> it on my pole position this year. Yeah. I have a new quest. eBay. I will be looking on eBay later. Yeah. Well, you know that's. 
That would be so sweet. And then yeah. you got to do the shifter, too. you got to find one of those shift, special shifters. Oh. Now, I'd have to make something because that was Atari's deal. But, oh, I can make – I've got shifter parts. I could still make that happen. Yeah. But but anyway, where I was going with that is, is if you look at all those Atari games, it was the same wheel. I think they used two different diameters. Uh, they used a smaller diameter on some of the older games where they had the multi-wheels. But if you pull the cap off, there's a little logo like a – uh, like a little guy like sitting on top of a car like waving his hand I can't even remember the name of the company that that made them that that's who made all those wheels and the the twin racer was like this where that rubber starts to kind of break down and it gets sticky yeah and and I've heard you can clean that off and because it, it it the oil or whatever bubbles to the surface and you can wipe it off and it's usable but I have you ever messed with anything like that do you ever worked on one like that yeah, I've tried all kinds of cleaners before. I had a I had another game. I can't can't think of what it was, but um, I don't think I ever completely got rid of it. You know, it it was better. It didn't feel yucky when you played it, but mm-hmm. I don't think it was necessarily feeling like you know a new wheel or anything. I don't know if you can get back to that. Well, so then I guess that gives you two options. Either you go with like the old school, like wheel cover you used to see back in the seventies and the eighties. You remember oh, those yeah. where you lace them on, uh, or or you go to the chain link, and then just yeah. call it a day, you know, because that ain't that that they might rust, but you can just you can powder coat that sucker. We know people to do that. Oh, oh, yeah, powder coated chain. Oh, it's perfect. Oh, um, I need to talk to Chris Royalty. Okay, all right. Oh, I, chrome it, chrome the chain. That's what you got. Well, do. that's how I usually see them. That's what I remember was always chrome. Yeah. But if I'm I'm going to do something. I'm going to. I'm gonna to have to. Chris does some cool colors. We'll have to talk about Chris a little later. I have to. I have to get Chris. To, oh man, I'm gonna have more in the steering wheel than the, than the pole position's worth. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, so you've been collecting. Would you say about 16 years, and you've fairly good sized collection at home. Do you? I mean, do you ever have any like get-togethers? Is it just family and family use, or I mean, what do you do with the game room? So. Uh... They they collect a lot of dust these these days. I used I to do, that. you know, I used to do the whole uh, game night where I invite all my buddies over, and um, I do it a couple times a year. Uh, one thing I I still do is the um, I'm part of the the local game dev group, like the you know indie developers kind of because I made some iPhone games in the past, and uh, I always host the Christmas party at my house. So, okay. All right. That's the one time a year I still I still clean it all up and invite people over, but I kind of got away from the um, you know just inviting coworkers and, and buddies over because people would always be like, oh man, let me know uh, when you're doing the next one, you know, and they I'd do the next one and be, oh man, let me know when you're doing the next one. I just got kind of got mm-hmm. like, man, you guys, uh, I'm doing a lot of work down here to get these games ready. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because that would be the the time. Yeah, I'd let all these projects build up, and then I'd eventually get down there and say, "Oh man, I need to get all these working for the party." And I'd buy parts and get them all cleaned up, and that's that's a lot of work. You know, if you get only a handful of people, you know, you want it to be a a decent turnout for mm-hmm. your party to kind of make make. Oh yeah, make I, mean, I understand. doing all that, you know. Well, I, so at least the uh, the game dev group is always a big party still. So that, that's that's the one time a year I have a lot of fun with it. I tried to do um, two a year, and I, I said I'll do one in July and I'll do one in December. And I, 
I want to say that I did the July one one time and it just always, it was just always something else going on just so that I had more use out of the game room. Yeah. And, and what it, what ended up happening was, is I I just reverted back to the December and then I I don't get the, tell me when you're going to do the next one because everybody knows here's your shot. And if you don't make it, that's cool. I understand, especially since it's coming into the holidays. Uh, yeah. and, and if that first Saturday falls like deeper into the month, like this year, it's the second. So it's, it's early in, so to speak. And if, um, if it falls later in the month and you're starting to run into Christmas parties for work and family and all that, and you don't make it, that's cool. I understand. But the, there's not going to be one for another 12 months. So it's like, you know, come and get it while you can. Yeah. You got to set the expectation, yep. you know? Cool. Not a not a public arcade down there. Yeah, so it's a <laughs> special party. All right, man. Well, how about this? Let's uh, um, let's transition over, take a little break here for a second, and then we're going to come back in the next segment. And I want to talk about the behind the scenes stuff uh, to from from your perspective. Talk about how, you know how do you start to get into setting up a show and maybe. Just the stuff we don't know about. You know, we've talked about this like with operators before and some of the relationships the show has with operators and, you know, kind of getting some of that behind the scenes stuff. And you you know what you know as a hobbyist, as a collector, as someone that attends a show. But, you know, like you kind of alluded to, you don't know what the madness looks like behind the curtain. So is that cool? Yeah, let's do that. All right, man, let's take a quick little break and then we'll come back with that. back and we've reconnected with David via another call we're going to talk about what goes on to put uh put on an expo to put on an arcade show a game show and not just what it actually takes David what what brought you to the decision to do that because I can only imagine how much work it is which we're going to talk about you know what in your mind let you you to believe this was going to be a good idea Oh, yeah, I just woke up one day and I was like, yeah, I want to do this thing. That's no big deal. <laughs> um, no, I know it's something that um, I'd started going to other arcade shows. I'd uh, uh, started going to the Louisville Arcade Expo at one point mm-hmm. and uh, I had a great time there. And um, I, I've used to go to a lot of um, tech conferences and stuff because I you know, do software development and back in the day. I used to be able to go to a lot of shows like that, and you know, they're, so kind of that big event space is, is something my wife and I talked about doing for a while. We we kind of talked about it as like um, maybe doing a tech show at one point, like a smaller one or something. But you mean like just like a like a development type show or tech in general, like where it's no, every... like yeah, like development, like um, like iPhone development or oh, okay. you know whatever. Yep. So, but that. It's not really, not really as fun sounding as uh, like an arcade <laughs> show. <laughs> so, and, and, um, and surprisingly enough, so and, and, and we've mentioned it, but let's let's mention it again. You and we'll get into who else is, but for right now we're just going to say you because I know your wife's instrumental, and I'm sure that there's probably a few other people 
um, hopefully. Otherwise, I, I could see you driving yourself mad with all the work. <laughs> but your show is the Grand Old Game Room Expo. Whitney and I talk about it all the time. And it's in Nashville. And one of the things that really kind of surprised me, and I don't know if this, I'm sure this occurred to you, but when you announced your show for last year, it was one of those things where Whitney and I were like, I'm really surprised there's not already a show in Nashville. Yeah, that's that's one thing that that I had, uh, you know, starting to prep for the show. Once once my wife and I made the decision that, you know, we thought it would work and we thought it would work here. Um, you know, we looked around and yeah, we were really surprised too. I mean, Nashville's really a good spot for it. It's uh, like a happening city right now. A big uh, population boom going on, construction everywhere, and um, you know people people love to visit the city anyways. So, and there there's a there's actually a good arcade community here. There's a lot of arcades that are open. Uh, some really now I knew the collector community collectors. Yeah, I knew the collector community was very vibrant. But what arcades do you actually? Do you do you all have, so and, and are uh, they are they arcades or are they more like bar restaurant arcades? So we got a little bit of both now. We've had um, Game Galaxy open for for quite a while, um, many number of years, and they um, had three locations, and now they uh, they have two. One of them is more like a jumbo location. They kind of consolidated, and uh, I, I could get these numbers wrong, but I think they have close to. 350 games at the one location. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, at least like a hundred pins. Um, some, some really rare stuff, some, some, you know, pretty cool. And it's just a straight up arcade. There's nothing in there with games. Um, they do like some, some used game trade in type of stuff, but, uh, but you got that one. And then a flashback arcade in Murfreesboro. Uh, it's about, See about 30, 30 miles, thirty minutes outside downtown Nashville, mm-hmm. and um, that's a really nice looking arcade too. You know, a, a good bit smaller, but a lot of new stuff. Like they have a cruising blast in there, and uh, that new Batman Raw Thrills driving game. So, are they um, doing like classic arcade yet with some modern games in the mix? Were you going and you play, or or is that like a when you when you said a little newer, I think more redemption stuff. No, it's uh it's newer arcade. I don't think there's any redemption in there actually. It's uh you know, like the, the alien light gun games, the newer ones. Mm-hmm. Uh there's an air hockey in there that's got fancy lights all over it. I don't know. And then there's some classic games in there too, but it and and um fairly new pins. They have a lot of new pinball machines and even like Tech from Mars, L E is in there stuff like that so um but it's you pay at the door and then all the games are free i believe the game galaxy is the same way so all the all the it's nothing uh, the the, the new model is not necessarily coin drop as much as it is for standalone arcade i guess pay at the door and go right yeah and i think that has a lot to do with the the local taxes associated with uh, tagging the game mm-hmm. I could see get that. over a certain number I think it goes up pretty high and people don't want to fool with any of that and you know I mean just from a business perspective pay at the doors is so much easier um, uh, now I kind of there's you know I have some draw, drawbacks to it because 
you know, one of the things is you can't really hang out in an arcade anymore. It's not not really that it's not the same vibe as mm-hmm. it used to have where you would hang out and drop some quarters in and they were really full. I think you end up with when you do that model that um it's more you know, of you a lose a lot of people. It's more of know. a with that model, it's more of a destination as opposed to more uh, a casual kind of a, you use the word hangout and you play a few games. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I never thought of it that way, but that makes sense. So, yeah, and then, um, you know, you, you don't really know which games are earning. Like in back in the day, you would check the, um, the coin you know, bucket, the coin bucket yep. see what's, you know, if it wasn't earning, you'd pull it out. And I think in these, these models, you end up with, um, you know, you, know, you don't really have a good, grasp on which games maybe you should pull some of these out but you don't know you just leave them all there kind of deal mm-hmm. um, that's just that's what goes through in my head I don't know maybe that's not the case but I keep uh, I keep looking at this model thinking you know do I eventually want to have some kind of location so I think it's really interesting to see the different models that people are doing so you, you've got an active community there but you don't ha- or didn't have a show and you wake up one morning and um, you convinced your wife that you weren't insane and yeah. you all decided not only that you weren't, you convinced her not only that you're not insane, but you convinced her to throw in and help you and you all started down the road of a show. Um, and you mentioned it, that you were doing like maybe a little bit of research and the like. So did you, did you as you were thinking this out, did you approach other show organizers just to kind of get a feel or is this something that you just, you kind of honestly did on your own? Uh, kind of on my own. I didn't really know any of the other, other show organizers that well. Like I had uh, met some of the guys from uh, Louisville, but I didn't really have a conversation with them at any point. Uh, Cause I didn't really know them that well. So um, I think, I think the one in Atlanta started up too. And you know, I'd, I'd went to that show uh, the Southern Fried Game Room. That, that's a good time. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, so we we kind of you know we're researching our, on our own. We kind of had an idea of what some of what it would take to put on a show, just as far as uh, hotel and some stuff like that. And I already had a business set up, so that that took a lot of you know for some people a lot of the pain points of of not having any kind of business. Oh, you know, start that kind of stuff up. No LLC. Like I already had a lot of that stuff from before. So, oh, I that's something that didn't occur to me. But I guess that you you almost have to do that. Is uh, I'm going to put words in your mouth here. So correct me. Is that as much for protection for yourself as uh, as well as to deal with the money side of it and and showing the ins and outs and and whatever you may have to do there from a tax or legal perspective. Yeah, yeah, all those multiple reasons. One is, you know, if you take in a bunch of money and you don't deduct all your expenses, the rates you would pay as a business owner is really high. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the same. So you need to deduct all that stuff. Um, and then for protection, you know, to, to isolate your assets and your, your risk from, you know, you don't want someone to do something crazy at the show and end up suing you and, you know, losing, you know, so someone to slip on the proverbial banana peel and suddenly it's your fault. (laughs) Yeah. I understand. Yep. I mean, some of that is maybe you can get by without doing it 
at first, but I'm more, um, I'd rather just peace of mind, have that stuff in place. Oh, know? no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, another thing you do for the show itself is you take out an insurance policy just on the show. So like just for that weekend at the hotel, there's a policy that just covers that. So it kind of separates you from having that stuff come back on you as well. So, so that's, so that's an interesting point. And I, I remember years ago when I was heavily involved in a car club here in town, we would stay affiliated with a national car club. Now it would, it, it did change after a period of time. And, but the car that we were affiliated with a national car club because through that relationship, we could ensure our shows and, you know, you know, basically they had already done the footwork and they had worked that out as to what this was, this thing, a car show, because not everybody's a car person. They don't know what you do at a car show. Right. How did you, did you, did you have to explain, I'm going to have an arcade show and then, okay, now what's an arcade show? Did you have to go through that or how did that work? Yeah, a little bit. So I, I just started Google searching like event insurance. Um, first, I talked to my like my personal insurance agent, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Well, we don't really do that." What's an arcade show? <laughs> yeah, well, they're like, "Yeah, we don't do event stuff. You should call so and so." And then I talked to them, and they're like, "No, you should just look for event. Just like look up event insurance." I'm like, "Okay." Okay. So I got a guy that that's all he does is it's it's only event insurance and. So when I started talking to him, he's like, oh, okay, you know, it's like, yeah, he didn't, I didn't have to over-explain it, just, it's in a hotel, it's just kind of event, blah, 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 and, um, so, do, so yeah, you just got to get to the right person, there's a, there's a whole industry for that stuff, I guess. Oh, you know? I, that never occurred to me, but I guess that makes sense. I mean, so, was, like, just out of curiosity, was some of the questions, did, did, was there anything that had to do with, okay, when we're going to have people during like load in moving all this equipment or does that, or are they more concerned with the general public? Because once any, it didn't matter if you were showing cars or helicopters or pinballs, once it's there, it's static when the public comes in. Did yeah. You... It, was, it was more about the, the number of people, the, um, what type of stuff is there, whether or not you're, what you're doing with alcohol. And I guess there's just certain risk points that they hit on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the questions I had was like, well, does it cover, you know, what happens if I drop something off the back of a truck? Does this policy cover it, you know, or all those kind of situations. So, and then the, the hotel has their own insurance. So you kind of overlap some with them and they have their own insurance for events. And then, um, you, you know, like I get insurance on the trucks, so there's, you just kind of overlap all this coverage on top of each other, so that you're not. You don't. You don't ha- have you know. anything dangling in the wind, so to speak. Right, and then like you have to put the hotel on your in- event insurance policy, so that you know, hotel will be paid instead. You know, if if someone gets in there and messes up a bunch of stuff, so. Um, but once you start talking to people, like I, and you know, it's not something I was aware of, but they deal with that all the time for all the events at the hotels. They just tell you what you need kind of thing. Interesting. See, that's that's something that makes perfect sense, but it didn't occur to me until you mentioned it. So now now you've, you've mentioned the hotel several times and 
that is kind of in my mind as an attendee um, to to these events. I, I and everybody that listens to the show know when Whitney and I attend, we we put all that we can back into the show. We try to help with anything that we can. We speak and all that kind of fun stuff. Lord knows why people come to see us, but it happens. <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of it is the location. You, you just can't, I've been to some shows and the location loses it for me. You know, yeah. um, Atlanta's is awesome. Louisville's awesome. Your show was awesome. Um, I, I'll be honest, like, Pinball Expo is still in the same place it was when I went a couple years ago, and I had a real hard time with that just because it was the parking was terrible. I mean, it was really a lot of foot traffic for that hotel and the space that you had, and that's what kind of made it a little rough. I'm sure all this goes into your mind. So, I mean, did what did you go through with like finding the location? Did that did parking come up? Did dock access come up? What what was your thought process? Yeah, so I was really looking for like an abandoned mall, like a Macy's or something. Okay. That's what. No. <laughs> oh, you had me there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a throwback to your Phantom Fest. Uh, oh, my story. gosh. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to look up that episode number. It was a couple episodes ago where I reviewed Phantom Fest here in Louisville <laughs> and the. Uh, um, the u-turn that it took <laughs> from the prior year <laughs> yeah i wish i would have been there for that because i've I'd been to fandom fest before and that that story just uh really really grabbed my attention when you were talking about that so. it, you know I, I had an opportunity to just look back at some of the pictures in that i that i snapped and i, I didn't realize i didn't snap that many and it looks like it's an abandoned Macy's because you you see the stuff and there's hardly anybody there. And unfortunately, that's the kind of the way the turnout went for him. It just really, oh, little tear. Okay, anyway, right, yeah. so location. <laughs> yeah, there was no yeah. abandoned Macy's in Nashville that you could uh, use. No, maybe outside. Yeah, maybe Bellevue. But yeah, so I mean, the, I've kind of... Uh, did my research on local shows like the anime shows and the pop culture ones here, you know, where they have their, what hotels they use and stuff. And I've been, been to a lot of those, even though anime is not really my thing. You know, I feel like the old man there, uh, really out of place, but, um, but I've gotten to know some of those guys and they're, they're fun shows, but there's uh you know, there ends up being only a handful of hotels that either have the space or, just are in the right part of town that you would want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause like the space I was looking for was about 20,000 square feet and there's just not a lot of, you know, standalone hotels that have that, mm-hmm. you know, you're definitely more closer to downtown, maybe closer to the airport. And, um, and you know, if you're looking at convention space downtown and that's a whole different animal, super expensive, uh, people it's- have to pay to park and, you know, it's, is there an adjoined start there? Is there an adjoined? <laughs> yeah, I say, is there a joined hotel, or is it hotels in the area, and you've got to walk or travel, or? Yeah, and then Nashville just got a brand new convention center a couple of years ago, so it's huge and super expensive, and the hotels attached to it are would also be really expensive. So, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta look at all that, and you you end up with you know a short list of two or three that are even possible. 
you know, to be honest. And then, you know, for me, it was only one that was ideal in the right place and the right size. And uh, that, that makes it really tough because if you can't, if you can't work out a deal or or the the dates you're looking for are booked, then you're just kind of like you're almost out of luck, you know. Mm-hmm. There's um if you want to at least put on that kind of show, uh, you're real limited. And so that's that's like the high stress point of trying to set that up. And then once you set that up, other things can fall into place more easily. But that hotel is the that's the tough part right there. You know? So you mentioned that you only had a, a handful, two or three places. Did you go and have the conversation with all of them? And I guess kind of what I'm interested in, and you don't have to quote dollars here, but just talking to other show organizers, it, it seems to me that the ask from the hotels are one, they're all over the board, and two it's almost as if they are going to hit you with the sticker price, like right off. And that's the way it's got to be hoping to maybe get the most from you that, of course that's what they want to do, but they, they don't want, you know, they, they've got an open date and they want the moon for it as opposed to being a little bit more reasonable. I mean, does it, I don't even know if that makes sense to is, is a way to ask that question that they seem resistant. They seem like, you know, I, I want the premium for this space and this is the way it's going to be. And they're a little less apt to work with you. So how did it work out when you just, when you, when you talked to all three of them or all or two of them, or did you even get that far? Did you get one in this? It just worked. No, I talked to several. So I talked to one downtown just to, uh, I didn't think it would work out, but I wanted to, to get a range. Mm-hmm. Like what am, what am I looking at for, for downtown and the lady was actually really nice she you know said hey it's you know here's what the price would be and this you'd have to commit to so many hotel rooms at this price and um you know if it's your first year show it's really unlikely that you can hit that so you know you know keep it in mind for down the road is kind of how she she left it but she gave me a lot of information and then um when I talked to other hotels yeah, it was all over. Like some some hotels that honestly were in a worse area, they they priced really high. Like I hmm. I don't know if it's uh, you know they didn't want the business. I think sometimes maybe they just use price as a way to there's a scare you off. <laughs> there's a there's a term I use a lot, and I call it's the slow no. Yeah. Uh, you know what that and you know what that is the slow no it, it it's like if your if your kiddo says daddy can i have some ice cream and then you look and you say because i had this happen to me all the time well if you're good you can have ice cream later brent's not getting ice cream he yeah. was he was given the slow no you know yeah. <laughs> so they slow knowed you is what it sounds like yeah and you know maybe that's so they don't uh I don't go to their boss and be like, "Hey, they just you know told me no." It's like they just gave me a price that was no. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a fair fair assessment. So, um, and then you know it depends on what kind of history they've had with other shows locally. I know one hotel I talked to, they weren't having anime shows back anymore because somebody had done something at some point, and they're like, "No, we're done with those." Mm. Um, so. And then I found it, you know, it depends on the time of the year. So actually doing it in November, 
uh, a lot of shows, I mean, a lot of shows, a lot of hotels had more availability. I guess they were, especially that pre-holiday time, you know, because Thanksgiving, Christmas time, they're going to be super booked up with Christmas parties and all kinds of stuff. But then summertime, they're really busy. So you've got I feel that, like I got that little sweet some, spot right there between it all. Yeah, I think that kind of helped me a little bit. Um, so when you, you know, eventually I got it worked out. So it, I got the hotel I wanted, and you know, was the price a good price? First year, I don't really know. It's just that was kind of I set my budget based on this is what I got to pay if I want to do the show. Cause mm-hmm. That's that's the hotel I want, and that's that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> so so when you approached him about the type of show and you settled on a hotel, one of the things that I mean stands out to me as a as a as a just all important when it comes to a game show is is power. And yeah. I, I could imagine that those ballrooms, they probably have some level of power, assuming like a, a smaller trade show where you've got like 10 and 20 foot booths, maybe a couple computers in them, as opposed to, you know, big 30 year old boxes that are uh, several amps a piece every two feet. Yeah. So did how did you broach that conversation with them so that that was definitely one of the things up front that i had to know um you know how many amps were available in each room and that was something they didn't have readily available yeah i guess for that reason that probably most shows don't push the limit yeah they're not even close to it so um you know once i started talking about price and stuff before i could sign off on anything I, I had to know you know from engineering you know, I guess part of the, the, the building like hey how many amps can we put here and, and here and here and so uh, eventually they got that stuff to me and I, I I'm still a little leery about it you know mm-hmm. uh, we were we were under the amount of games we could run but you know so I did calculations like oh we could put X amount here before we start to blow something and uh, we didn't hit that number last year so we were we were safe but i kind of have that in in the back of my mind like does this guy who works for the hotel really know that this one is a hundred amp total and mm-hmm. he's going to plug too much into it or something even if the the room total is enough you know how are they actually going to run this lay this power out so it doesn't start throwing breakers um, so, uh, so we'll that, see how year two, two goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so that's kind of an interesting conversation. Did uh, it, getting into kind of some real specifics, but like I, I giving that little arcade expo is is my home show. I tend to see it super early on because it's minutes from the house. So I can take advantage of the early setup time. And Whitney and I, we set up a, we set up all of our gear, four plus mics. I mean, it's it's a whole day setup for us. So we get to see it. They have the drops from the hotel, and then they run runs to make their their lanes and their alleys and their aisles and all that fun stuff. Did did you have to get into that as well at your location and and go out and buy a hundred thousand extension cords or was that something <laughs> and this kind of gets into another question like the small stuff when you negotiate yeah. this are, are they saying okay well here's the room and if you need a, an eight foot table it's ten dollars a table 
or you get all these tables and all these chairs and how did it, how did all that kind of work out the 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 yeah, satellite things do, do charge that stuff i talked to one venue that wasn't a hotel it was just a really cool event space and they do charge per table and for everything and so you got to add all that in mm-hmm. um but yeah the hotel that i'm using the, the tables are included and i talked them into having the power included because i didn't want to pay for every drop because i mean you just do a normal trade show there's a price list for oh i need uh you know a uh uh, extension cord and there's a price list for I need uh you know some outlets here mm-hmm. and they're like 50 bucks or 100 bucks a pop or something and um so luckily they didn't charge me for any of that that was all and but the uh one of the engineering guys did have to be out there Friday running out pulling drops and they'd have to pull out these little uh, I don't know what you call them, a little kind of like a junction box mm-hmm. from back behind the wall that actually has like 50 amps in it or 100 amps or something, and not just the little outlets in the wall weren't enough. You know, yeah. there's not enough power. They have more power back there, but it's not it's not right there on the walls. So yeah, and I've seen that at other shows where they'll have a breakout box of some type, and then they'll they'll basically have. It. And I'm not an electrician, but they'll have whatever like is a, a, a larger outlet of whatever volt and current capability it is and they'll plug that unit into it and then bust it out and it'll be a breaker panel on like yeah. on like a cart basically so um yeah but i did have to supply a lot of my own power strips and stuff so i i now own a ton and uh being the over prepared that i am i bought Way more than I needed last year and ended up returning a bunch of them because <laughs> they weren't opened yet. Like I had a couple boxes of – full boxes of the power strips that weren't open because I didn't know how many of the hotel would actually mm-hmm. give me. They said they weren't going to give me any, but then they started putting some out there. So I don't think the sales lady knew they were actually putting power strips down. But, you know, you get talking to the guys and they're like, oh, this is a cool show. And they just start putting stuff down there and not charging <laughs> you for it. So. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of cool here you, oh you need one of these hold on yeah it's like oh yeah okay let's put these out here and um so that kind of gets me into the um what what did what how, what's the old phrase you don't know what you don't know so what what are sure. some of the things that stand out as a as an organizer the first year and that that you discovered that you didn't know until you knew it I guess a lot of it was um, just timing, like how long it would take me to to put something on a, on a big truck, take it off, go through the dock, um, and then not. I mean, I, I you know I had a floor plan for where things were going, but not knowing how long it would take me to to wheel stuff off a truck back through the kitchen and onto the uh, to the floor of the ballroom and hook things up and. You just get a you get a completely different feel for the timing once you start moving stuff and you realize that oh I've got two more loads that I haven't gotten to yet. <laughs> so you actually had to go through the kitchen. Yeah, so the docks are back. Um, That's interesting. Kinda, there's like a hallway that kind of connects the uh, the dock and some break rooms back there, and then like the whole there's just like kitchen hallway. I don't know what you call this stuff, but it. It's where you would 
they would run all the food out into the ballrooms and there's um oh so it it's almost sounds like like a connector or a, a like a main throughware for for staff that connects the kitchen any staffing area and the docks and all that out to the yeah the, the hotel proper and they're they're constantly moving stuff through that hallway like a big old um like rack thing full of dishes mm-hmm. and like a, a big hot storage looks like a refrigerator on wheels kind of thing and they're wheeling that through and then uh, also like all the tables and chairs are stored in like in another room so um, if, you're, if you're trying to use the dock that's where you had to come through otherwise you have to take it you know like lift gate to the ground and bring it in the side door or something mm-hmm. um, so when you're trying to move that much equipment uh, you end up feeling like a bunch of roadies basically i think you, know, <laughs> you have because uh, you you've re- you don't want to rent the hotel too early and pay for all these days that that you're not running the show at least that was my thinking i, I think i might rethink some of that for next year but i was like you know we'll we'll get it friday morning and we'll just get it all in there it won't be a problem and then you you realize how long it takes and you're like man this is not this is not enough time. <laughs> Dude, I, I do that every weekend when I go through the mental <laughs> list of things I want to do. And Sunday night, about 930, I'm halfway through it. I understand. Yeah. yeah. So go mention the hotel. You know, what, what, go ahead. We, we know when it is. We know what the show is. What's the name of the hotel and all that fun stuff? Do you know the address uh, on top of your head? Close to it. It's uh, Franklin Marriott, Cool Springs. It's uh, 700 Cool Springs Boulevard, maybe. Franklin, Tennessee. Um, well, if you go to your website, it's grand old G R A N D O L E expo.com. Yep. Is that right? That's right. It's all there. It's all there. And the, ho- the hotel is awesome. And Whitney and I've talked about it to, to no end on the show. And y- you come in, uh, there's it, it, the end of the ho- the end of the, the building, if you will, where are you in the same ballroom area that you were last year? Yeah, I mean, we actually we took all their event space last year, so we booked all of the all the rooms. Oh, that's right, because right off that hall, you had a few vendors through the hall, and you you also had stuff going on in all the side rooms as well. Yeah, I set up tons of consoles, so I filled all the side rooms, and then I mean, I had one room for panels, and then I had one decent sized room for tabletop gaming. Um, so that was that was something. It's, it's almost a little bit of a stretch, but, you know, I thought we'll try it and, uh, you know, see if it, if it gains any momentum going down, you know, going down the road, you know, I'll keep it going. If not, then we'll just maybe put some more games in there, but so it gives people a little bit of a break from just being in front of a screen, go sit down at a tabletop and maybe play something. Mm-hmm. So, or, or speaking of that, and this gets away a little bit from the what goes on behind well i guess it doesn't it, this is part of what goes on behind the scenes just hey this worked or this doesn't and making an adjustment uh, do you have do you have anything that you you're going to add or that you think that you're going to remove from this year versus last year based on what you learned um it's it's kind of the same layout i moved i moved, moved a few things around um just swapping rooms and such that, maybe help with some of the visibility of some of it. But I know one thing that that didn't get utilized last year was I set up a, um, so a LAN of Xbox 360s 
So I set up 16 of them all networked together. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I don't like about the Xbox One and PS4s is you can't play any shooters like System Linked. You know, you have to play them all online. Oh, so, so you can't do you can't do it locally. They all have to have internet nah, access, and they all have yeah, to do it through a server. Yeah, you can't do any of them locally anymore. So that's kind of at a venue that becomes a problem because you're having to rely on um, hotel internet, yeah. and then everyone has to have an account to sign in, and it's just a whole different level of mess yeah. that. You really don't want to fool with, you know. You it, just want to turn the games on and hook them up. <laughs> it, it amazes me that in this air quotes modern day and age, I, I can have hotel internet in the internet hotspot on my phone over the air is much more stable and quicker. Yeah, yeah. Even in my own home, I think my phone is faster half the time. <laughs> my own internet is wired. Um, but yeah, so that was one thing I I set up last year, and I you know I, I spent a good bit of money on these systems and TVs and some stuff I had, some I didn't. But um, kind of when when I was when people were helping me set these up, I kind of assumed that everybody knows how to hook up a game system, and I realized that not everybody knows how to hook up a game system. <laughs> <laughs> so you know things were hooked up. Because uh, you can't watch everything, you know, a yeah. big show like that. You're, every, you're trying to do all this stuff simultaneously, and um, and you know, I had great help, so but I didn't give good instructions some places. So well, you know, that brings. Yeah, me... I realized later on, like Saturday, I was checking. I was like, "Wow, this isn't even hooked up right, and then this has the wrong game in it, and you know, some of that stuff it just wasn't really utilized the first year. So that was kind of a bummer." So that brings up a, a good question. Um, the uh, the help that you get and like staffing. So um, you and your wife are the core show organizers, correct? Yeah, we're the, um, I guess, the owners. There's We didn't partner with anybody as far as, you know, ownership of the show or mm -hmm. sharing any of the, there's no investors, you know, it's just us. So that, you know, it's, that's kind of, um, you know, good and bad. And, you know, I kind of, I'm kind of leery of getting into partners, especially with people you're good friends with, because I don't want to ruin that, you know. I understand I, that. And then, you know, if, if I have a certain vision for the show, you know, I want to put on that show. I don't necessarily want to. Um, compromise that you know, to a Yeah, degree. compromise on, yep. on all these points. So, um you know, my wife doesn't have, as far as, like, what games and stuff are there, she, you know, could care less, but she cares a lot about the, um, all the graphics and the way things are organized, so she helps a lot with all that stuff. Uh, she's a, is she a graphic artist by trade? Yeah, she is. She's done that her whole career, so that, that also makes things easier when, you know, I'm a web developer, software developer, and so... Uh, she's a graphic designer, so a lot of that stuff, you know, you're able to make it look. At least I think it looks decent. Oh know? no, it looks great. You know, <laughs> well, see, you're able to make it look good without without paying a bunch of other people to make it for you, so that helps a lot. Well, you would, uh, you would be surprised, in my opinion, how big of a lift it is to just 
to have that kind of support because you know like i know in the early days of the show whitney and i were talking and i looked at whitney and i said you know i can i could put up a website technically i can put up a website technically in the old days i've got in and i can poke at php and pretty much any programming language and customize something that i've got yeah i can barely say photoshop let alone right and, and that's where that's where you need if you're doing your advertising your branding and all that um uh, to me that's that's as heavy of a lift as unloading 14 trucks of video games that's you know so i don't know yeah it is you spend a whole lot of time on it it's not i mean even though we can we can do it easily it's a huge time sink like um i mean the 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 few uh you know month and a half leading up to the show my wife is doing graphic stuff like every day and you would kind of wonder where it all goes but you know t-shirt designs and your print materials and maybe you know you don't necessarily have to do all that for a show but that's something we wanted to do well it's part of what we promise sponsors and how you rope every you know get everybody involved so we ended up doing a whole lot of work on all that you're, you're, oddly enough, you're kind of mentioning several of my next points all back to back, and it's it's kind of interesting how they're all tying together. So let, let me back. The same wavelength, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you need to change wavelengths. You don't want to be anywhere near. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me back up for a second and talk a little bit more about like the the staffing and, and the folks that help you. So you and your wife are the you're, core. You're trying to you're trying to keep me on point. And I just keep going all. No, over no, that's <laughs> dude. You've listened to this show, right? You know that you know this, right? We are all over the place. Pretty, you know, we're gonna, somehow we're going to work in a conversation about Knight Rider and MacGyver into this. So if I show up and there's a Trans Am with a red light on the front of it sitting there at the front of the show, I am so in. Um, so the staffing, you and your wife can't do it all. I mean, it's like three days. So we, Oh, no way. Yeah. So did you heavily lean on local – and I know that like – uh, Chris Royalty, he's a local collector that's that's heavy into the in the community and several other folks. Um, Chris brought a bunch of games. All the local collectors brought games. Did did you lean on other arcade people to help you, like with the manning the manning check in and all that kind of fun stuff, or was that non arcade friends and family? How did you do that? Yeah, so I mean, I had a lot of help from the arcade side for sure, and they they mostly helped in that area and then i had for just some other logistics of setting up stuff and manning doors and you know that was more friends and family of uh, just you know begging everybody calling in favors and then some people <laughs> you know were just you had to help about it really <laughs> you had to help about a dozen people move over the summer didn't you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Remember when I watched that door for a weekend? That's right. A lot I mean, used to move a lot of sleeper sofas for people now. <laughs> up and downstairs. I've got um, a I've but, got a safe I need on the third floor. And also I've got a spiral staircase. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, I mean a lot of people are also they're they're excited about the show and they, they wanted the show to succeed because they they I mean they want one in Nashville and um you know, I don't I'm not like a big investor. I got lots of money to throw at this thing. So, I mean, it's on a, you know, it's on a slim budget. And so mm-hmm. everybody, well, you, it's know, a, you did awesome for being on an air quote slim budget. 
I mean, well, yeah, I, I probably blew that way out of the water. But <laughs> <laughs> the plan was a swim budget. I don't know that we ended up there, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so a lot of the, you know, one of my big concerns with putting on a show like this is how in the world do I get that many machines? Because, you know, we kind of talked about I owned about forty, and you know, I added a few over the the course of that year, but nowhere near. We had like about one hundred forty out there. Um, so yeah, you know, Chris Royalty, he he brought a lot of stuff. He brought you know like two trailers full, mm-hmm. and uh, he also brought like a lot of nice stuff you know, stuff out of his basement. It wasn't like oh, there these were show games or something. They were plated and chromed out, uh, really nice pinball machines and Lunar Lander and two major Havocs and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and I think the Circus Voltaire was his. Um, there was a Sweet Indiana Jones, I think, was his. What's the name of Chris's plating company? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, pinballplating.com. That, uh, that was simple enough. You would have thought even I would have remembered that. <laughs> Chris, uh, Whitney just recently posted some pictures of a bunch of coin doors that Chris did for him, and including like the raised letter, like uh, century coin doors, and they are oh, yeah. beautiful. I've seen Chris's work you know, in person at a couple shows, and it just... Uh, yeah, you, if you're looking for plating work, even you know, even if you're doing like like a stock restoration, like a coin door type deal, and you just you want you want it done in in black but nicely done, like powder coated, or you're wanting pinball legs customized, or rails, or lockdown bars, or any metal work. He's even doing wire form ramps for for pinballs. I mean, it, stuff looks awesome. He'll be at Nashville. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be there again, right? Yeah, he will. He'll have a booth there again. Um, he's He's uh, doing a lot of work with that with that business. He's uh, taking it on the road. Uh, we went to Texas Pinball. I, I like road tripped with him out there, and then uh, I, I know saw he him was out at, there. I know he was in Atlanta, Chicago. Yeah. Oh yeah, he had a booth there in Atlanta. Oh, and he did Chicago as well, Pinball yeah. Expo. So it's uh, yeah. I mean, he and he'll take a game to one of those shows, and people are just going you know nuts over them because they look they look so good mm-hmm. when they're all trimmed out like that so so um, you, know, you, you mentioned chris had a booth which makes me think a little bit of sponsorship and and now did you have marco your first year did they have a presence no they i was working on them all year but uh they you know were a little leery for first, first year. year took some convincing so um, I, I convinced him for this year, though. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. On, met him, met the uh, the crew in person at a few other shows, and uh, it's a great group of people. They're really supportive of the of the shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they do a lot behind the scenes to kind of connect show organizers together and uh, kind of talk Stern into offering some kind of deals to get these you know show uh, new machines on the floor. So that dealers don't have to take a hit, like opening up brand new games and taking them out. That's not really a, something they can afford to do. A lot of, in a lot of cases, you know, they they take a, a hit on that price. Mm-hmm. So because at that at that point it's a used machine. Yeah, so you gotta knock you know several hundred dollars off of it. Uh, you're not you can't sell a new in box anymore. So and, I mean, um, now if, if I, I think you can talk about this, and if not, just just wave me off, but. They offer something where you you can buy a game from Marco, take delivery at the show, and you get it at a discounted rate, but it 
has to be there for the show, right? Yeah, if you get, if you go to a show where they've, you know, Marco or uh, now Larry from Flipping Out, he's you know kind of in this this region as a a dealer for Stern, and uh, they'll they'll offer a a show special that's basically pre-sold before the show, so they don't you know they don't want to risk bringing games out, opening them up, not selling them, and stuff like that. So, and there's a limited limited number of that kind of stuff that they'll do but that that's kind of a win for everybody you know it gives the collector a chance to get a game at a discount and it lets them get them out to a show um where they don't take a hit on a new you know opening up a brand new game so it works really well for the shows and that's a good model to have so if somebody wanted to do that do they reach out to marco or flipping out or does it something they do through the show they can, they kind of do it through the show, but they they end up buying through the distributor. Right. So I mean, they don't buy it from me, but it's kind of uh, it's it's nice if people you know, like for this show went through me, so I'd at least have an idea what's coming. Otherwise, I'd just be blindsided on that because they don't necessarily let me know that gotcha. things have been ordered. But um, and and then it, they kind of say, you know, don't uh go post it everywhere but you know it's not necessarily a secret either gotcha. but it's um the prices are you know they're all different they vary by machine and all this kind of stuff but but yeah if it's i mean it's it's a good deal to uh, i might take advantage of that for some other shows you know if i was looking to buy something a certain time of year i might be like well you know Maybe I'll go pick it up in Atlanta at Southern Fried or something if mm-hmm. I get it for a deal. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so uh, yeah. now last year was it? Did you have VP cabs? I know you had a a, a virtual pen slash arcade company, a virtual arcade. You know what I mean? They, it was a virtual pen company there. Was I have it no idea what you're talking about. Right there when no. you when you walked right <laughs> when you walked right in the door, slightly off to the left, they had like they literally had a tent up. And it was full yeah, of... Yeah, you couldn't miss it. Yeah, it was a huge tent. Yeah, they were uh, a sponsor last year. So um, Now, was that VP or was that somebody else? That was VP. Okay, Cavs. okay, okay. Yes, yeah, so I I'd, I'd talked to uh, Brad several occasions. I really liked their their games. I mean, I think the, the build quality is really, really great. I know some people are like, oh, you know, it's virtual, I'll build my own kind of thing, but... For most people, I think it's, um, you know, you can't go wrong with buying some of their stuff. So It seems like the, what I've seen, like, of their pricing, like it shows, to me, it didn't seem scary. And, and it was like it was done. It, it already had the front end done. It was just, you just plugged it in. It was done. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a little bit higher than what, you know, if you're a do-it-yourself kind of person, you're going to be like, oh, man, no way I'll pay that. But as far as something you would buy retail you know, it's it's in line with what you would you would pay for, you know, any kind of commercial machine, any new pinball machine or anything. Some of them are a little cheaper. And um, but yeah, so they were a, they were a sponsor because we ended up giving away a virtual pin as one of our our incentive to bring a game. So in any game you brought to the show, you got one entry to win uh, that pinball machine. So let's hit that real quick. So. Uh, I'm assuming that if you bring a game, you get a free weekend pass. That seems to be standard. Is is that right? Yeah. And then yeah. are you doing any kind of giveaway or promotions this year? Are you able to do that again? Yeah, so this year I'm giving away an Aerosmith Pro. Oh, cool. Um, so it's a, it's a brand new 
machine. It'll you know just be on free play for that weekend, and then uh, so you get an entry to win, and then one entry. Uh, I mean, you get, yeah, the free weekend pass, and then one entry to win the machine. Up to 15 games you bring. So if you if you're like a you know one of the local guys who's breaking in a ton of machines, I uh, still limit it to 15 entries. So you're oh, not cool. you know landsliding the, the the giveaway. I think that's I think it's pretty fair. Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh, so I mean, and then you know none of my games are in the giveaway, so you, the odds are really good. I think. <laughs> So it, from a sponsor's perspective, you had VP, and so I was like, are they coming back? Uh, I'm not sure. Brad's so busy now, and I'm still working on it, which is seems very last minute, but you'd be surprised how many things come together last minute, even vendors and sponsors and games. Uh, you'll talk to people for the majority of a year, and then decisions are made like within the last three or four weeks <laughs> oh wow that would drive me absolutely insane uh sometimes it's just way you have to roll with it you gotta yeah uh, um, so are you gonna have like uh, uh last year you had a, uh, a small selection of vendors out there kind of in that main hall are you gonna do that again this year are you gonna expand it or are you gonna yeah i expanded to a few more vendors um i didn't want to go too overboard with it but we have a little bit more of the comic and toy kind of pop culture stuff. Was and that then, uh, was that something that like folks asked for? I mean, had or did it just seem to make more sense after having? What's the behind the scenes uh, here? That's what we're talking about. What was so to be to be honest, the vendors really push. They want to be at the show. Like I, I was a little leery to, you know, book them because I don't want to promise that they're going to sell a lot of merchandise when I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, to me, you know, the closer it is to strictly game stuff, the better you're going to do. So we had um, a guy doing the bead art last year, uh, who who like sold fantastic amount of stuff. He was like, "I'm absolutely coming back next year. Go ahead and put me on a list, you know." And then he went and bought a machine off the floor, like his first arcade game he's ever bought. <laughs> he did so well, he went and bought a game. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. And then uh, I got money coming like, out of uh, everywhere. I'm gonna go buy a game. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like man, this is great. And then um, some artists like Rusty Shackles, you see him in a lot of the shows, and he does really well at a, at a game specific show because his art is all you know game style. So people like that, you know. I, I figured it would do really well, but then some of the comic and, you know, the pop figures and stuff like that, I just didn't know. But, but they really uh, hit me up big time to come to the show. So well, I, you know, I did a couple more this year. You know, it's good. People were like, well, you should just let them come and don't worry about whether they do good or not. But that's not really what I, I don't want people to have that experience. You know, I want them to have a good chance to to sell you know a good bit of stuff at the show mm-hmm. and have it be a positive experience i don't want to just have people out that i know are not going to sell anything yeah and i've talked to other show organizers who've who've pretty much said hey look our show is this or that our show is more collectors and less community so parts dealers do well or our show is more yeah. community with the collectors, with a smaller group of core collectors that bring the games and that do their collector commiserating thing at the show, so you would do better with less parts and more art and stuff. So I mean, no, that's perfect. 
and that's what we're talking about. You know, what makes the show and what works for you. So, um, so are, are you doing anything? What comes to your mind? Like for advertising, how are you getting the word out? That's, uh, that's hard to do. <laughs> oh, well, there's so, there's so many places to do it. It's not like, yeah. So you I mean, you look at your traditional things, which are, uh, radio billboards, um, stuff like that. And last year I decided to take out a, you know, a billboard ad for, for three weeks. And, um, that was kind of scary cause it's, that's money. You just don't know if it's going to do anything. It just could be completely thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and they're very expensive. Like the billboard I looked at was like three grand and that was, um, even one of the ones that like rotates, it's like three different ads that flip, so it's not a static one. And yeah, it's it's going to depend on the city where you're trying to put it. I put it right off Main Interstate, right downtown, you know, one one of the sections. So I mean, did you have a way to get a metric as to its effectiveness? Like, I've heard of tricks like using a specific domain name for like Arcade Nashville, or I'm just pulling something out of the air, so you know people i mean or or is this one of those things where you just kind of like you said you just kind of got to hope it is effective yeah there's there's no good metric to to a billboard that i could i could really get a hold of i I didn't end up doing it this year kind of for that reason they you know that the um sales places supply you all kinds of uh information on the number of impressions that something on that billboard will get just based on traffic patterns and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And so they, they have all that data. They can give you a map of all the ones around town and what you're going to get here and there. And, uh, I, I know people did see it because, you know, I would get comments like, Hey, I saw your ad. And then someone, would, you know, at the registration desk, my wife, you know, would people would say, you know, she asked them where, where'd you hear about the show? And some people would be like, Oh, it was a billboard and some oh, okay. like, there you go. your ad on Craigslist and somewhere, you know, you know, I heard about it from Southern fried or I was at the Louisville show and you were handing out flyers or something, but you don't really get a good, I mean, you know, you, you just, that's kind of here or there, whether you hear that stuff. So you don't know was, well, were you better off spending that money somewhere else? Well, it's you just, you just kind of made a point there because you, you've spent to promote your show. You have spent time, at other shows running a booth, right? Right, yeah. So this is this is a year round prospect to run your show. You're running your show year round almost, aren't you? Yeah, I actually um the first year I did a few I mean I definitely went to those two arcade shows because that's the logical place to go. And um but then th- like this year I did about 16 events where I went to um, different anime shows and I wow. set up their whole game room for them and then I went to one in Hopkinsville, Kentucky and I went to uh, a tap room here in town and set up a pinball night and you know I just looking back I didn't realize I did that many but looking back I was counting these things up and I'm like holy cow that's why I've been so busy all year is um, you know I've been making all these appearances everywhere but that really well, I'll, I'll know this year based on attendance, but it really seems to to help because people are still confused about what the show is. I'll have you know this nice big banner sitting here and these flyers, and people will look at it 
and you know, I'm standing there at my little booth or whatever, and um, they'll either ask me like, "Hey, where's the arcade? You know, where's your location at?" Or they'll just kind of look puzzled, and then I'll start talking to them like, "Oh, you know, I put on an arcade show, and all these are on free play, and we bring them all in." And they're like, "Oh," so obviously they weren't they weren't getting that based on our materials. So it's kind of I think it really helps to talk to someone in person. You kind mm-hmm. of, kind of explain the show, hand them the little flyer with the dates on it. Um, but it kind of makes you question too: How do I really get this message out there about this this type of show? Because people don't really know that it's even a thing. You know? <laughs> oh no! It, you you make a good point because I guess people in the community. We put it together. You know, we had a, right. um, I think it was last show, Whitney and I had the conversation about, we call a pinball a pinball, but some people like I will will call a video game an arcade. And then some uh-huh. some people, that's kind of funny because then you're like, okay, well, I bought three arcades. Well, where are they located? Are they all three right. in Louisville? You know, stuff like that. And, but they still kind of understand what I'm saying. And if you're, that that's that's an interesting point. It never occurred to me. If you're kind of on the fringe of the community, or you're you're wanting to hit that demographic of somebody that's wanting to relive their youth, how, how do you relate to them in 2017? <laughs> yeah, and then I think when some people maybe it's the way you you name the show. Like if you call it an expo, does that mean it's a uh, it's like a business thing? It's for like you know, it's like a trade show basically, mm-hmm. and. They don't understand that it's public, like it's really the games are there for you to play, and it's not like. Well, if you, you know, go to a boat expo, showing off stuff to sell, you know. If you go to a boat expo, you're not expected to be able to get in the boat and drive around. So I, get, I see well, your point. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> At least around here, it usually doesn't work that yeah. way. And then, um, yeah. So it's you know it's, it's interesting just to, to try and figure out how to market that stuff and if. You know the 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 money's well spent. This year, um, fortunate I got some radio sponsors. Oh, that's cool. So um, I'm getting some stuff in exchange for I put them as a sponsor, and they're giving me some, um, you know, some kind of the radio spot package and some giveaway tickets and stuff that they're doing, and so that that kind of helps. That that's something I really tried to get in place last year, but it wasn't wasn't able to, but I've met more people over the year, and so I got better contacts, was able to get some of that. Hopefully that'll produce some good results, you know. So are you actually voicing the ads? Are they reading spots, or are they producing? No, you know, I want some somebody more engaging than me. So, uh, <laughs> it'll uh, it'll Whitney, be... Whitney and, I could, Whitney and I could voice some ads with a good southern accent for you. You could, yeah. It would definitely it would go over well. Um, well, we talked a little bit about advertising and sponsorship and uh, getting the word out. And this all kind of ties back to to uh, kind of a thing that really – I, I I thought this was really cool. And honestly, I, I don't – I didn't partake because I just don't have the space to display stuff. Unlike Whitney, who tends to have more wall space. So he really gets excited about things that really add to the, the game room. And that is your posters. So that's something that is uniquely Nashville, in my opinion. Talk about your show posters. Yeah, so last year we 
and you know, once again, this is my wife and I like wanting to go for the moon on a lot of things, and she's a designer anyway. So the um, there's a place called the Hatch Show Print. It's a Hatch H A T C H, I guess. And you'll see them around town if you go to concerts at the Ryman Auditorium, which is the uh, the old Grand Ole Opry building. It's right downtown, and now like every every kind of band plays there. It's you know like a well-known kind of venue. Mm-hmm. And you'll see these you see these posters, and they, they have a certain style to them. It's a couple of colors, and they I guess they call it. What do they call it? I'm going to screw this up. Now, it's not type press or something. Is it letterpress? Right, uh, it's uh, um, uh, lithog- is it stone lithography? I guess. Is it? Yeah, they, um, they print them all by hand on a, on a roll, and so they, they take these little wooden blocks for the letters, and they lay out a... I'm Googling, um, I'm Googling here. Hat <laughs> show print. It's not stone lithography. I think it's some type of lithography. Um, ba 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 ba. Tour hat show print locations hours history. If you see these posters, the style, it's um. Letterpress printing history of letterpress, letter, letterpress printing, yes. and if you see that the poster, the style, as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, I know exactly. I, I've seen this before. I, I understand, but it's. It, Hatches like the company. I mean, the, yeah. the, they've got the history, and they've they they've done show. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of show posters for for decades, right? Yeah, you'll see like those famous Johnny Cash ones and stuff that they've done, and you'll see those hanging all around Nashville. And uh, so, one of the things now is anytime there's a you know a cool band, they uh, they get the hat show to print their posters and they'll have just a limited number and, and you know they'll have them there at the the Ryman or whatever and then they sell out super quick so it's kind of a collectible thing now like if you uh, the Foo Fighters came a couple of years ago just did some one-off show in, at the Ryman and uh, those posters were snatched up like in 10 minutes and then they're all on eBay for like $200 a piece you know mm-hmm. and that kind of thing so um, and now the uh, the hatch the hatch print is part of the Country Music Hall of Fame, so they've like been bought, and they're right there in the the Hall of Fame building, right off uh, Broadway in Second. So you can go tour the see them printing in there and see all the stuff up on the walls. But it's a very Nashville thing, I guess is the point. So we you can you can contract them to design your posters and stuff, and so we we did that, and. Um, it's, it's kind of pricey, and it's it's a different process because they design them themselves. Like you don't give them a design. It's not like they just print it for you. They actually create the design, and the designer's initials are down there on the bottom of the poster. And uh, I mean, you can get a few changes, but I don't think you can really go back and say, "Hey, design me a whole completely different poster," because you kind of you're kind so, of giving it to them to design. <laughs> you give them the basics, and that's that's what I had a hard time getting my wrapping my head around. You give them the basics, I guess, and the information, and they do the design. Straight yeah, so up. I told them, here's the name of the show, it's these dates, and it's video games. 
and that's pretty much what you give them. <laughs> you know, and I'm looking here. They've got galleries, so I'm looking in like, uh, and I'm assuming that this is probably all the posters they did in this time period. So, like, I see summer 2017, spring 2017, fall 2017, or excuse me, um, fall 2016, winter 2017. And I'm assuming that when you go into each of these, it's all the posters they did in that time period. So, I would assume, so, yeah. I would assume your show poster is buried. I'm just glancing through it trying to see if I recognize it because there's, you know, uh, each picture is a group of four posters and just depending on the time period, there's quite a few going on, but I'm sure your poster has to be in here depending on when they did it, whether they considered it summer because late summer, getting ready for your show or if it was fall. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. I mean, I, I haven't, I guess they have a lot of that stuff online now, yeah. but um, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. We still, we still have some posters left, so we're going to bring those back out. If you, if you missed one last year and you want, uh, <laughs> to want one, we still have some. So, well, you know, I, I say um, that about at least my personal game. Well, here, here's, here's my takeaway and why I wanted to bring that up. Uh, was, was that something that you wanted to do to have something uniquely Nashville? Was that your mindset or was it? What what was the thought there? Yeah, that that's that's it. I mean, I wanted to think of you know what's stuff that if you're coming from out of town, that's like a Nashville thing. That's not you know because how is it going to be different from Louisville or, or Sun and Fried or Texas or any any other show? You know, and they all end up with different little. Uh, things here and there that are different just based mm-hmm. on who runs them and where you're located. And, you know, I know like in Louisville, they do the uh, Louisville Slugger bats, which I think is pretty cool. That's, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I was like, well, what can we do other than have a bunch of country music playing, like having bands or something? Uh, you know, the the hat show print was just a very uh, Nashville thing to put, put I, in there. I found your poster. Did you really? Yep. You are in... Um fall 2016 and your picture number eight nice yep so you're up there uh right next to the the glass animals who i don't know who that is uh wide school do you know who they are i've never heard of them no i don't i have no idea um (laughs) widespread panic and um apparently that was something for like a fundraiser because the bottom says tunes for tots there's you and then Rascal Flats. <laughs> so, oh, there you and, go. and I know who Rascal Flats is, so I got that much country artist. So, yeah, cool. And, and what's really interesting about this is that, um, just if you go, if you look at the gallery, it's kind of amazing how I mean, you right, re- you definitely recognize the style when you see it. Yeah, but they're all so different and so varied it's not it, you're there it's, it's not rinse wash and repeat with with hatch it's just really cool anyway so yeah i mean i think they they probably have a lot of license with i mean every designer does something different for every event just completely like i bought a guns and roses poster when they when they came here they played the big arena but they had hatch do their posters and it's this really weird thing. It's like a guy in a suit with a skull for a face and it says guns and roses on it. And it has like some 
pistols imposed over it. <laughs> it's like the oddest thing. It doesn't it doesn't fit in with anything that I've seen from them. But uh, yeah, that's what they printed. So I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, they had that logo back in the day that was like the two pistols, right, with the roses around it. Yeah. But now I don't get the guy with the skull face. Nah, it's really strange. I don't yeah. even know if I'll hang it up just because that's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we we've touched on pretty much all the, the the things I wanted to to bring up. And is there anything that you know any any parting words of wisdom for budding show organizers out there, David? Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's uh, you know it's a whole lot of work, um, a whole lot of work. <laughs> moving moving games is hard. I just put it like that. You gotta you gotta make sure you uh you got that down. You know, like big trucks full of games and ratchet straps everywhere and blankets and <laughs> well, dollies and <laughs> we're, 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 we cover that thoroughly in, in uh on this show for sure. Yeah, so so you're good to go. But yeah, I mean um you definitely got to have help from everybody in the community because you can't just I mean, maybe there's a couple shows where somebody does own that many and they could just, like, open the door and here you go, you can play everything. But, um, you know, you have to get a whole network of people to help you and the right kind of people. And it's not necessarily you can hit up all your friends because, you know, not all your friends are really into games or, you know, certainly mine aren't. Mm -hmm. So there's only, you know, it's surprising some people who... Uh, you, you know, you may not know really well, just go all in to help you with the show and it's it's really cool. And then, you, you know, you think, of, well, how can I repay them? And you really can't just say thanks, you know, just let them know you appreciate it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to do a show, you have to be able to pull off all that kind of stuff. That's really the hard stuff to pull off. So that that's kind of interesting. It, it It's is it's more if i'm getting what you're saying it's more the physical management of the show and the interpersonal relationships that stand out as something you've you've got to be able to run with versus um the monetary side because there's a you've talked about it quite a bit there's a big fear factor there on the monetary side but it seems like that almost takes a in Correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't want to put words in your mouth, David, but I've never organized a show. Is it, 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 am I right there? Is, is the monetary side concerning and the, and, and the, the, just everything that goes along with it, but it really comes down to making it physically happen. Yeah. I mean, the, the monetary is, is very concerning depending on what your situation is. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. uh, for, for me, it's, it, we definitely stretched uh, uh, we you know we stretched our ability. I guess is a good way to say it. Maybe went maybe went even a little bit too far. But but you know the good thing is you can calculate that risk. You know you can you can look at it on paper and you can say this is what it's going to take money wise, and you can decide whether that's a good idea or not. And I mean you, you know you you probably are going to go over a little bit maybe. But you can always cut things out. You know, you could not print posters at the hatch print, or you could not do T-shirts. And so I think that's easier to manage. But the, um, I mean, the, the personal relationships you have to be on good terms with everybody, and you know, be able to 
convince people to help when you're not really able to offer much in return, I guess, uh, and other you, than, a, than a show being here. And you can't really – you can't afford to pay everybody because then it, it just wouldn't be feasible at all. Just financially wouldn't work. You have to walk um, away in good terms, too. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you have to uh, treat everybody nice. And, I mean, hopefully you do that anyways. But, but yeah, I mean, that those are the things that you really – to to lead a group like that that don't technically work for you or have any skin in it to to have people willing to hang out till four or five in the morning pulling games off a truck that's that's you know a stretch to get get people to do that with you so um you know but it, it works you know you meet the right people and um you know you end up being able to get it done so well, that gives us a, um, a behind-the-curtain view of what it takes to put on an expo and some of the, the concerns and decisions that have to be made. And uh, Man, that's, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, from Whitney and my perspective, so that folks know, we'll just get a little specific about this year's show. Uh, unless we uh, ruin one of those relationships in the next few weeks... <laughs> Uh, Whitney and I are going to be at the Grand Ole Game Room Expo 2017. I, I know I'm going to be doing a seminar and I'm going to be doing a, a soldering tutorial. Um, and if you if you happen to be at the Atlanta show and saw it, this is uh, um, I, I'm I'm actually going to rework it. And uh, actually, that I, I, it should come out much better this time around because now I've learned some stuff on a much much smaller scale compared to what it sounds like, David. You've gone through, so uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer a soldering tutorial with a bunch of uh, background information and basically how to get in, how to solder, what to look for, what kind of uh, tools to start up with, and uh, we're gonna we're we're gonna do live live demos. We're gonna have a great time. Whitney is going to speak about Skyskipper, and I, I, Whitney and I have had a hard time catching up. Dave, I, I know he's talked to you. Have you gotten any more details exactly as to what Whitney's presentation is going to be? I think he still owes me some details. We were okay. uh, texting about that the other night, so <laughs> details forthcoming. But I know the game is coming, and he's going to yes. do something about it. So uh, for people who didn't get a chance to see it yet, uh, that should be really cool, you know. So in that that's actually going to make it easier since Skyskipper's coming and uh, Whitney's talked about his enclosed trailer on prior shows. I I have gotten close to but I still haven't managed to pick up an enclosed myself. But Skyskipper's coming. Whitney's trailer's coming. So that makes it easier for me to bring games as well. Now obviously David, you know I we can't bring like we can for Louisville because it's 20 minutes from my well, house. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but, you put it all on the trail. You're gonna... <laughs> I'm, already, I'm already trying to set a level of understanding here, folks. I'm, like already, whole, I'm already making excuses. I've heard a whole episode on this trailer before, like hour, hours of conversation. So, see, I'm trying like to. like a pretty I, fancy trailer. I'm trying to make excuses already, but it's obviously uh, not yeah, working. Yeah, I, I saw what you were trying to do there. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, we have the opportunity to load some stuff up, and I'm going to take full advantage of that. Um, I already mentioned I've got a couple games that I'm going to bring, and I'm probably going to toss a couple extras on and you know, just see where it takes us. And we'll see there in Nashville. Sounds awesome, yeah. Looking forward to it. So, uh, you know, um, um, this is a good, uh, a good opportunity. I know we're, we're getting some 
good kind of interview content from you and some good background, but let's plug the show again. So what's the dates and what's the times for this year, 2017? So November 10th through 12th, uh, it's Friday through Sunday. We open 4 p.m. on Friday, uh, go till 3 in the morning, and then uh, till 3 in the morning Saturday night as well. And then Friday, uh, no, Sunday we close at 5. So, okay. Uh, pretty pretty long hours, a lot of opportunity to play games. I know some people last year they went downtown, uh, you know, checked out Broadway, Second Avenue, and got to do a little bit of that, and still came back and played some more. So that's kind of what what I'm shooting for. You know, it's only only about twenty twenty five minute drive to be right downtown, so plenty of time to do that and and play games at the show. Cool. All right, David. Well, man, we greatly appreciate it. And, uh, you know, talked a little bit about Whitney and Skyskipper. So for all the listeners, this is what's coming up next. We'll have a segment that Whitney recorded on his trip to Arcade Club to do the Skyskipper reveal. So I will admit I have not even gotten the audio yet, so I've not heard it. I believe it's going to be just Whitney and Alex doing a wrap-up of uh, just the event. And, you know, I'm not sure if there's other people that kind of come in as part uh, part of the segment or not. But it'll be something good something for us all to sit back and listen to and then right after that you know we'll come back right back with you and uh we'll touch on a little bit of feedback and close the show out so david i appreciate it you know and hopefully you can stick around for the uh the final closeout segment oh can't miss the feedback oh no (laughs) you gotta have the feedback all right so let's uh let's move on into uh whitney and i think alex and talking about skyskipper Well, everyone, we do have a very special treat, and I think uh, Brent and I may have to rename this. Well, I say rename, but it never really has had a segment a segment name yet, but we'll call it the far and wide segment because that's what I've traveled in order to bring everybody this segment because I'm sitting in the uh, now famous game room, Mr. Alex Crowley, over here in the U.K., so a good piece away from the recording studio of Brent's basement. But we're revisiting, uh, I guess, the, Alex, we're revisiting, you know, Skyskipper now that it's, you know, kind of, quote, unquote, all said and done. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the show, dude. Thanks, Whitney. Yeah. Glad to be on. Yeah. Be well, I guess this makes the second time, technically. It uh, was. Yeah. The first one was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay, dude. We were a bit drunk, weren't we? Well, that's okay. We, 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 we made a second go of it. How, how about that? Yeah. yeah and it, it turned out a-okay. But, um, but yeah, man. I mean, I can't believe it. Uh, we've we've flown. You and I collectively have flown from one side of the. It feels like one side of the planet to the other almost for this game, yeah. and we have just wrapped up uh, the weekend reveal at uh, the arcade club in Manchester. And uh, man, I I mean, I'll get into my side of it uh, in, in in a separate portion of the show and everything like that because Alex honestly I've got to sit down and recap all my notes I mean I've I've taken notes as the week is the I, my time here in the UK with my family and you has gone on but uh I'll get into all that but man just uh what what, what do you feel I mean how, how do you feel now looking back on getting Skyskipper revealed here in the UK wow where do you start I mean such a big build-up so much hard work and and two years in the making for just one night, <laughs> you know, yeah. well two nights essentially with the 
Atlanta reveal. I don't know, it's just, um, I was buzzing for days afterwards, just looking at all the pictures and all the lovely comments that people had, had put on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. It's just been amazing. I've, I've, you know, I've been buzzing for a couple of days. It's just been an absolutely awesome experience. And to have you here as well just made the extra little bit special, you know? I appreciate but, it, man. Yeah. It's, it's been, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've texted you since since being over here. I mean, it's been a... a a bit of a life-changing experience for for, for me both and of my, us. Yeah, yeah for both of us yeah. and and my family as well i mean i i, I kind of drug my wife and my daughter you know kind of kicking and screaming along with yeah. this but they have had the absolute best time yes. you know best time uh that i that i could ever have hoped for i yeah. mean it's it's just been unbelievable yeah it's been really. good for all of you isn't it it really has yeah. uh, we've we've never really been able to take a a huge kind of quote-unquote dedicated family family vacation and this has definitely been you've a, a done family a hell of a vacation. lot as well in the 10 days you've been here that, that we have i've taken you down to brighton yes you've been to the tower of london yeah i mean we've we've been to uh westminster abbey well, and uh, uh, hampton of, court palace yes exactly house of commons i mean We've we've seen a lot. Yeah. We've been been a lot of places. And, Manchester uh, as well. Yeah, Manchester seen as how, well. Seen how we get around in all of the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> That's been a bit of a challenge. I'll say that. Yeah, uh, very it, stressful. It's very stressful. Traffic here is here. I, I say here, but here in the UK is mm. definitely stressful. There's yeah. no doubt about yeah. it. It's not like traffic that. Brent and I and all all of our other friends in the states would be exposed to on a routine day to day basis, unless. I guess you lived in you know a big big city like Boston or mm. New York or, or you know L.A. or something like that. But where Brent and I hail from, this is all it, different. Yeah, it's a real battle yes. getting through it every yeah. day. Dude, I feel bad for you on the on the ride to and from Manchester. It seemed like we were especially plagued with some with some troubles oh. on, on the traffic. I mean, so so tell so tell everybody. I mean that that's. How long does that drive normally? And I know how long it took us. I guess with stops, you know, a few breaks here and there, four, four and a half hours, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But then as soon as you get an accident on one of the main motorways and you're directed off, everyone's got to come off at the same time and... You know, what do you do? You've just got to sit with it. Yeah. I know? mean, that trip. nothing else you can do. There's nothing more frustrating. No, no, not, nothing at all. So for a four mm. and a four and a half hour, I think on the trip back, we had what, eight and a half hours invested? Yeah. Probably. Definitely. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Because like you, said, like you said, an accident happened on the motorway and just completely, I mean, that just completely. Affected the whole area. Yeah. It just completely yeah. shut the, shut the whole thing down. But other so. than that, I mean, you've got to put that to one side and. Exactly. And just remember all the, the good times and. It's the only way to deal with it, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It was a fantastic time, and you know, just seeing the whole community there at uh, the arcade club, and I guess for me that was the main thing doing it in the UK was to get to see my friends and have a party and get them to see the game, yeah, and let them play it, and just really making an excuse to get together, you know, because sometimes it's hard getting the community together, and I think you know. When you guys come over and we've got something special to show them, you know, just gets a few of the other ones that are probably a little bit more timid than usual to come out, just to get together and and and, and chat one another because otherwise you just do it all on on the forums. Mm-hmm. Um, some people misread and things happen, people fall out, but once they all get together and realise, you know, he's not such a a bad face after all, you know. 
It's, it, it tends to bring everybody back together. Brings back together it? and gets yeah. people back into the hobby. And before you know it, there's loads of threads back on U- UK Vac and people are chatting again and everyone's yeah. all right, you know? Yeah, yeah. at least for a while. And, and, and you hope that, that that can continue to go yeah. on and go on yeah. and go on. And you try to remind people of, of the things that bring everybody together yeah. and use that as the compass to yeah. help keep everybody help keep everybody yeah. kind of square. So I mean, for me, it's always been about the community. Yeah. Do, doing my YouTube channel has always been doing things for the community, getting in to see people's collections and getting them out there for people to see, give them inspirations for their own games rooms and just seeing how other people collect and that sort of thing. And and even the whole Skyskipper uh project you know it's a restoration that most people do maybe two or three times a year on their own games um it just turned out that we uncovered something that was a little bit more special than than normal mm-hmm. you know yeah and that was a little bit pure luck a bit of fate and you know and but everyone anyone can do that yeah anyone can get behind that and and showcase the game that they have been restoring yeah and it's all about preservation as well that's always been my thing preserving these games some of the games that like Skyskipper that didn't do too well but have got something there maybe a bit of history yeah that we can bring out and uh you know tell uh, tell the world tell the world and, and yeah. let let the game tell a bit of a story and yeah we try to try to help it help it along as best as we can yeah know, in that regard but yeah I, I'm, I most certainly agree I mean I, I think that you know looking back on on the Skyskipper project now I think it's it's something that uh, that I would like to like to see other people do. I mean, I would love to see some other games brought out of the woodwork, like 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 we did for this one, and take it to the take it to the to the last mile, so to speak, and then push it across the line. Yeah, and and hopefully hopefully bring uh, bring a bit more arcade history to light because it's it's amazing to me for a hobby that is you know for a hobby that is modeled after. An industry that's you know 30, 30 plus years old just from the classic arcade scene, mm. uh, stuff still coming out. It stuff sure still is. New. Still and, waiting, to, waiting to be found. So, so Alex, let me ask you. I mean, when you look at the the two plus years that mm. you've been working on Skyskipper off and on, and uh, bringing folks like me and Ollie and 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 Porchy and Rich and Billy Mitchell yeah. and Walter Day and and everybody else, you know, into the project. Uh, what What are your thoughts on it now, sitting from the sitting from the side and the, and the vantage point that we're at with the reveals done, and um, and largely all the fan, I, what I consider, you know, largely all the fanfare kind of behind us now, so so to speak. I mean, if you could kind of sum it up a bit, how? I mean, what's your what's your thoughts on the time spent? Well, I the the main thing I think really what's come out of it for me is new friendships. Yes. Right? That's the main thing with you and your family. And, you know, it's just shown to me that the community is such a great place to be because we've had so much help from so many people. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned Billy Mitchell helped yeah. us get into NOA and Walter Day who gave it the pedal stool that it yeah. needed. Yeah. And other people that a lot of people listening to this wouldn't know, like, Steve Atari Tubin, who yeah. supplied. Okay, I know point. I go on about it, but without that flyer, we I didn't have anything to yeah. go on. Yeah, <clears throat> there were no pictures of Skyskipper on the internet whatsoever. 
So, so can you talk mm. a bit about getting that flyer? I, and, How much and it I, I don't, I don't want to derail you. Yeah, but no, I that's cool. Derail you just a little bit because we've mentioned Steve a couple times in some of the live, well, in both of the the live events. Yeah. But for listeners who may not have seen those videos or, or weren't there, I mean, can you talk a little bit about Steve and, and kind of how that whole kicked well, up, how that whole process kicked off? Before he found that flyer yeah. and gave it to me, there was no images of Skyskipper whatsoever, just a marquee with the pink clouds, which was a bit suspect because yeah. it just didn't seem right. <clears throat> I when that with you. Many hours yeah. we burned talking so about So when that, that arrived, there suddenly was a picture of Skyskipper although black and white, we had something to go on. And that that picture is an actual photograph of a of a skyskipper cabinet. Mm-hmm. So we knew that they, they were made, but where are they? What happened to them? You know, so you just start delving more and more into it. You want to find out more. It just sort of encourages you more to, to find out more information about the game. So that was quite a big uh, milestone in the whole project you know as well as just me finding the board all these little things all add up to where we've got to with the reveal yeah um but i guess you know the main thing was is is friendships the community coming together um that's what i take from this whole project really yeah yeah you know i really do because you've come all the way over here from america i've been over there and yeah. we've, we've dragged john over here as well yeah. and the community have got to meet john otherwise yeah. how many of those guys would have been out to afford to go to america yeah they so, well they probably never would have or could yeah have. so we've yeah. got to thank obviously james from retro games party for, yeah. for getting john over here because yeah. he was a big part of it yeah um yeah i mean there's so many yeah. so many people well, when you're sitting here from this point, did you ever think that Skyskipper would really, truly ever get done? I mean, when you first started this and, and started kind of putting the, I guess, kind of, quote, putting the project together, I mean, did, did you ever really. truly think that it would get done? Not to where we've got it now. Yeah. Not a, a cabinet that's been scanned from an original one and only one in the vaults at NOA. Yeah. Never dreamed of that. Yeah. And at that point, when I found the PCB, I really didn't know how rare it was or, you know, the history behind it. I didn't know it was an unreleased game. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't until I got you on board. Um, There were a couple of other collectors that were interested. John obviously said he was interested, but he didn't have the time, really. You know, he had other commitments with his family, which is fair enough. But I still wanted it... I still wanted my other board, because I had two board sets, to go to America. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I felt that's where, I don't know, I just had an inkling that there was something over there that could help me in this project. Mm-hmm. And I was right. Because the game was made in Japan, but they shipped it to NOA. Right. It was play-tested there, not in Japan. Right. Uh, and there they made the decision not to release it. Um, so there's a lot, there's more history of the the game in America than there is in Japan, yeah. if you know what I mean. And, and that's funny, because... I think you and I even uh, kind of batted this around a little bit a day or so before we uh, before we loaded your Skyskipper up and went to Manchester. Mm. When you play the game, it it has an extremely distinct Japanese feel to it. It does not yeah. an American feel no. at all. I mean, it the sprites, the movement, the yeah. animations, they feel almost one step removed from anime yeah it still feels very nintendo it does it feels very nintendo yeah but, be- but very 
Nintendo Japanese. It does. Yes. Yeah, and that's why I didn't do well. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I guess Donkey Kong is, I wouldn't say it's got an American feel, but I, I think it's got more character, probably a little bit more charm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. There's probably just too much going on in Skyskipper for kids. You've got for to remember, kids. we're looking at it from an adult mindset. That's true. You know, where yeah. we can appreciate Skyskipper more now because yeah. we're collectors and we've played a lot more games. Right. But back then, we were kids. Right. Seven or eight. Yeah. We wanted to shoot and kill things, didn't yeah. we? Well, it, and yeah, it, you, know. you needed a mechanic that was that was simple. Simple, and, and Something yeah. like Donkey Kong has got that mechanic. It is. Get to you the know, top. Get to the it. top. You're the good guy. Yeah. Jump the barrels. Get to the top. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Skyskipper's not that way. Yeah. Skyskipper's got strategy and you have yeah. to and you have to plan your plan your flight your route, through the yeah. play field yeah. and your routes and way too complex for, yeah. for what I would consider maybe Nintendo's target audience at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well again it's, it was an experimental time for a lot of companies, especially Nintendo, because at this point they still weren't programming their own games. They were still getting third parties to program a lot of their games. So they, I don't think they really knew what direction they were going, to be honest with you, until they got a hit. And that was with DK. You know, so after that, they started <laughs> making more games with more monkeys, I guess. I thought that, I guess that's what they thought was the hit, the monkeys. But actually, it's the, the gameplay mechanic is just as important, you know? Well, uh, I will say that... Um Skyskipper definitely is a game for the collectors. Yeah. Not a game for the players. No. Uh, now, maybe the players that are collectors, uh, that's yeah. about the only way I could ever mash the two together. But, I, I mean, if you if you want to just be very blatantly honest about it, it's easy to see why it didn't, yeah. why it wasn't released. Yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not sitting here lamenting the fact that this parallel game to Donkey Kong, just mm. for whatever reason, didn't make it out the door. Yeah. You can tell why it didn't make it out the door. Oh, for but sure. But at the same yeah. time, for us sitting where we're sitting and looking back on it now, as collectors and and people who want to preserve some of Nintendo's history and have the opportunity to do so, mm. like we have, Skyskipper is something that's very important. Yeah. And, and you do see the charm of the game. Yeah. For for what it is. Yeah, definitely. Well, Alex, uh, one, one thing that. Uh, that I was really impressed with uh, spending our time uh, at the arcade club was, as you talked about, the community that showed up. I, I mean, I took some pictures there on Facebook. I, you've taken a bunch of pictures mm. there on Facebook. The crowd that yeah. was there. I mean, it's electric, wasn't it? It was electric. Is a very good word for it. Mm. I don't think that I had. If, if I didn't have 20 people come up to me and say, oh, Whitney, we love your podcast, yeah. we love the show, we're big fans, tell Brent we said hi, wish yeah. he was here. Oh, that's cool. And, and, yeah, and I mean, I had just as many people say, tell Brent I said hi, yeah. as I did say, hey, Whitney, I love I love your oh, podcast. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and that, made, yeah. that made me feel good. Yeah. And, and Brent, you're listening, I hope it makes you feel good too, dude, because yeah. you should. But, you know, all things being equal... Um, a very warm reception yeah. and just as you would say Alex just lovely lovely people yeah. I, your community over here is good and yeah. you guys are very fortunate it's it's building up you know each year it gets better and better and now we've got an actual base to go to which which we didn't have before most collectors would be invited around each other's houses and it would be invite only so you only got to see the same faces over and over again 
you know, or it'd be at corporate events, you know, big events where, you know, it's hard to spot people, hard to hang out and and chat to one another. The Arcade Club and Andy Palmer and his family done a great job there in creating not only a fantastic arcade, but a great place for the community to hang out and, and you know, and talk arcade games, you know. It's just a great place. I mean, even John, I think you said it as well, that, they haven't got you've got nothing like that in America, have you? Where you've got a real mixture of Japanese games, all the European stuff, the Zacharias that you don't get in America, and a collection of American games. It's a real mixture, and you've got all the modern stuff as well that attracts families in because they, the, the adults know, the dads know that they can go and play all the old classics, knowing that their kids are going to be happy playing Minecraft or whatever. At the end of the day, they're all games. And as long as people are having fun uh, and people relax, that's all that matters. And the arcade club, man, that is a really cool place to be. It It's definitely a, a great place. I mean, I, I was pretty flabbergasted by what I saw there. I mean, there's, there's what, three levels to the, mm. to the building, correct? Yeah, yeah. And the way that the owner, Andy, has got everything set up is he has the 80s um, kind of classic floor, and then he's got a floor of of newer games. I guess what you consider, or what you refer to as, kind of the the more modern Japanese mm-hmm. games and things like that. And then, uh, and then what's on, what's? How can you describe the third floor, Alex? I mean, it, it's. I know there's some pinball on there. Yeah, and, it's just a real mixture, it's isn't, a mixture it? Yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just great. It is. And one thing that I noticed is that um, when we went in on Sunday after the big reveal event. I think we we landed back at Arcade Club somewhere around eleven o'clock. Just and it was just right after they opened. Yeah. And if there weren't a hundred people in that place spread across the three floors, there yeah. wasn't anybody in that place. Nah. And people at it, it, eleven eleven thirty in the morning, people are going at it, just you know, just playing the games, yeah, just like they were Saturday night. I know. I mean, I the know. place was. I I mean, on a Sunday morning. At yeah. eleven o'clock, the place was rocking. Yeah, <laughs> and so Andy's Andy's got something pretty special. He, yeah, he does. And and I mean, we've got some fantastic venues in the states. I mean, Chicago is full of them. I mean, a good friend of mine, Jim Zespi, runs uh, Logan Arcade and Logan Hardware. Just an absolute wonderful place. And and I I, I almost draw some parallel to 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 like that that venue and then arcade club mm-hmm. and then there's there's others that just huge arcades like galloping ghost that we have in, that's in chicago mm-hmm. as well but galloping ghost is different because they're they're targeting just straight straight numbers in the sense of you know how many arcade games can we get and yeah. and, and they want to have one of everything mm-hmm. and galloping ghost does a great job mm-hmm. andy's feels a bit more curated yeah. to the family yeah. and, and offering a lot to play across the generations. Yes. I, I, I appreciated that. I really think there's something for everyone at the arcade club, you know? It's it's just great. It, it is. Yeah, I was I was really impressed. And that's the only place in the UK, really, ex- except for the events that you go to, which, you know, are, are fantastic. James puts on a fantastic show of arcade machines, all of his own games, and that's one hell of a job you know, running that circus four times a year up and down the country. But the arcade club is static. It's there. It's always there. It's somewhere for people to go and hang out. 
you know. Well, you, you mentioned James. Let's just take a second and kind of rewind for mm. a minute. So, so can you tell everybody who's listening and may not know who James is and yeah. what he does? Can you kind of describe that for for everybody? Because I want to make sure we've we've given him some proper due since we mentioned him and everything like that. Um, James, good friend of mine. He's got his own sort of company, which is Retro Games Party, which is basically it is basically a traveling arcade. A, tra- he t- <laughs> a traveling arcade. It is really because he takes all of his machines and he's got over 120 machines to all of these events to the four quarters of, of England, basically. Um, so people in the south of England who can't get to travel up can get to see them and same up north as well. So he takes on an, an amazing task of logistically getting these cabs around the country. It's incredible. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, how does he do it? Does he have what you call a big lorry that he loads Probably, them on Yeah, I, I've never seen it in action. Or for us, an 18-wheeler, <clears throat> yeah, a tractor-trailer. Yeah, 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 a juggernaut of some sort yeah. that, uh, that takes them all around. So yeah, he does a fantastic job. It really is. Hats off to the guy. Yeah, I, there's no way that I could do it, and there's no way that I would, yeah. I would want to do it. But yeah. for him to load his machines up and take them to shows yeah. all the way across England, yeah. that's that's an accomplishment. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Now, <clears throat> at the same time that we were doing the, the Skyskipper reveal at the Arcade Club, James, as you mentioned, with Retro Games Party, he was supplying all the games for Play Expo that's in right. Manchester. Yeah. In Manchester. So. Yeah. So we got an opportunity to go to play, and uh, for how long did we go, Alex? Maybe, what, two, two and a half hours? <clears throat> About three, three, three hours. hours yeah, I would say three hours, yeah. Yeah, three hours on that Saturday, on this past Saturday afternoon, yeah. uh, the 14th, right, you know, right before we, um, the, the afternoon before we did the Skyskipper reveal. And Play Expo was big, man. Yeah. I was really, really surprised at just what was going on yeah. with that with that show. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Again, that's a it's a place that caters for the whole family. You know, you've got the cosplay, you've got the board games, you've got all the modern stuff, the PS4s on show, mm-hmm. showcasing the latest games, pinballs, and James's um, retro games party arcade section. Yeah, so it's a great place for for collectors and families alike to go there and just see all what's on offer. And then later on that evening, most people go to the arcade club to have food, drink and and chat and play more games. So it's combining the two together is fantastic. Yeah, it really is fantastic. It's a lot, though, to do in one day. It is a lot to do (laughs) in one day. And you you can kind of get th- get in the situation where you almost leave at the end of the night with a little bit of sensory overload you do don't yeah you? you're knackered yeah because <laughs> very good term yeah. I, yeah, do you mind if i borrow that term well, knackered. I, I love it yes i do <laughs> absolutely love that term yeah most of the time we all just end up chatting anyway he's never played it well i didn't i didn't play any games that night i know it was the reveal but never got a chance to play i did actually play battle zone oh um, at arcade club at the arcade club okay the full uh not the cabaret that I've got, but the, oh, the, the full, full upright, full upright, yeah, which is a pretty cool game. Yeah, it is. Brent's I, got Brent's got one, and it's is it's a it yeah, is it's a, it's a very like cool game. That. Yeah, but yeah, you do come back sort of pretty tired because you obviously you're raising your voice to get over the machines and stuff, so yeah. your voice is a bit broken. By the but end of the both night. Of, both of our voices were a bit shot on yeah. Sunday because you and I literally spent. Uh, about four to five hours on yeah. Saturday night yelling, yeah, and, and or talking at a really high volume, yeah. and uh, 
I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, uh, you uh, are. You're yeah, good, to- good talker. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you that. You could talk for the whole of England. I could talk for... <laughs> <laughs> Use the Queen's English, boy. Yeah. Speak for the country. Do that and do it now. Yeah. Exactly. So, no, pro- no problem there, but... I mean, we've all got our limits, and after five hours, I think all of us had had hit yeah. had hit our limits. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was an event like uh, it was an event like no other. I mean, well, it was the atmosphere. I think it was so different than uh, than Atlanta. Yeah, SFGE. It was it was more of an after party, wasn't it? It, it was. And that, yeah. I mean, we've spent a, a bit of time. I, I want your thoughts on that yeah. because. I was asked a question up on stage while we were we were at uh, the arcade club. Yeah, and I'll elaborate on my answer to that here in just just a bit. But yeah, uh, I, I'm curious to hear how you how you feel the two events were different. Well, the question was, what yeah. was your favorite? What was your favorite? Yeah, uh, and and that's difficult because the two completely different yeah. events. Yeah, but the game needed both of them. It did. You know, it needed. The pedestal that it got SFG with the characters like Billy Mitchell and Walter Day yeah. to give it the recognition that it needed. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and the photography that went on. Yeah. It was perfect for that. It was. But, but it was also very formal. It w- and, and it was very kind of, um, there was a lot of pomp, pomp, some song and dance about it. Yeah. You know there, what I mean? There was, there was, a, there was a bit of pomp and circumstance <clears throat> yes. to it, but, but it was really good. Yeah. And, Preston and Patrick and Shannon, uh, the the organizers at SFG, they they did they did us an amazing so job. good. They and, did, yeah. They they did us such a solid. With, and they and they it needed that. It, it needed did. them to back it up. It get, really and did. Get it the world stage because it, it wouldn't have got the world stage at the arcade club. Exactly. You know, yeah. and and it got the reveal because that was the first time anyone had seen it. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. so that was something special. Yeah. Okay, and I don't think the arcade club could have done that, but what the arcade club did was give it back to the people. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It was it was a after party. Yes. Where all my friends in my community this side could play it. Yeah. And they could meet you guys and people were just I, they couldn't hear our voices that much because all the machines were on. But I don't think they cared. Everyone yeah. just seemed like they were having a good time. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. And I'll that's say, what and that's what I wanted. And that's that's what we yeah. that's what we wanted to happen. Yeah. For uh, roughly four and a half hours, that game never stopped. Yeah. There was a line. There was a line of people waiting to play that game. Yeah. For four and Which a half it had an SFG as well, didn't oh, it? Oh, it, it did. It did. And that's what I thought was was so impressive. Yeah. But but you're you're right. SFGE was the perfect place to do the global or the world premiere of the yeah. game or the reveal of the game because yeah. SFG was perfect because the Preston, Patrick, and Shannon have done a fantastic job of building literally um, an arcade and pinball multimedia machine yeah. because yeah. they they can pull in the crowds and they yeah. get the attendance and everything like that. We had the stage, yeah. we had the press, we yeah. had everybody there who who was interested from the States and, and was able to come see it. Yeah. And we, we almost, in a lot of ways, had the world eye on us. We did. It, from, from the hobby perspective, we had the we had the world's eye on us in Atlanta. Because it was the first time people had seen it. It, it was. It was the first time people had seen it. And, and honestly, Alex, I mean, if, if we want to call it for what it is... We had done a lot of run up on yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, just from a bit of a tease, uh, just we? a bit of a tease, and just just a bit <laughs> yeah. of multimedia. And, yeah, or I'm sorry, so multimedia. I said that showing my age, social media, yeah. and um, and just kind of kind of 
pushing the message yeah. over and over again with the website and everything like that. But you know that was that was part but of. I the don't deal. think. That, yeah, I don't think we rammed it down people's no, throats. No, it did. was out there for people to find. Yeah. It was there if you wanted to see it, and if yeah. not, then move on. But I mean, it got what it needed. It, it had got the, what it needed. It, it got yes. the recognition it needed. Yeah. It needed to be in America, also because of the history yeah. behind the cabinet. A lot of it is in America, so it it felt right to do it in America it, first. It, it really did. It and really then come did. back to me where, um, where I found the board. And of course, we haven't mentioned yet good old Mark Whiting, who did the uh, re- reverse engineering on the board, yeah. which you got to meet. Yes, I did. Oh, forgot- that yeah. was, yeah, that that was that was quite, yeah, that was quite, uh, quite a nice surprise, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, because as soon as we got here to the UK, I think the night that we that we landed, that yeah. uh, Jackie and Grace and I. Uh, got checked into a hotel and everything like that. Um, that night, we got to meet Mark, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. So, yeah, so Mark spent three months uh, reverse engineering the Skyskipper board because obviously it was running Popeye when I found it. Yeah. Uh, so he t- turned it back to what it should have been, which was Skyskipper. Yeah. And you obviously got to meet him, which was, which was nice because, you know... Um, He's a big part of the story. Yeah, he really is. He's an unsung part of the story, yeah. I think, to to a larger degree, but definitely, uh, definitely a a player in in, yeah. in the in in the whole story itself. Yeah, you know, in the, in the legacy of the game, he earned his he earned his place. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Mark if anyone was, knows the the game inside out, it's Mark. It, for it, sure. it would be Mark. There, yeah. there is no doubt about it. Yeah, and just got to spend what i don't know half an hour or yeah. so with him 45 minutes or yeah. so with him and got to sit in his uh in his uh little, little office workshop, workshop his little office workshop it's a proper workshop isn't it it, it it very much is that <laughs> and just talk about the process that he used to reverse engineer the boards and, yeah. and what he did for uh for really resurrecting the game and bringing yeah. it back is is very very interesting mm. and uh i was really surprised to see that uh that, that he was so happy with how things had had turned out after yeah. the work that he had done. Yeah. I, yeah. I felt like he felt a sense of pride oh, he in, did. in yeah. the work in his own that way. was done yeah. in his work and how it contributed to the to the story yeah. at large. Yeah. That made me feel good. Yeah. That that we were able to make him feel good yeah. in that in that way. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And um it's interesting, Alex. Just kind of getting back to the whole arcade club. I mean, I look back on it, and I was asked the same question about what was your favorite, you know. Mm. And I, it did. It took me a few minutes to to answer that, mm. but I really, I really did have to. I mean, I was so caught up in the moment of what was mm. going on at the arcade club, and just you're right. The the crowd was just electric, and yeah. and it, I look back on it, and you're right. It was the after party, the vibe. Mm everything and it did it it made it it just it just made it my favorite but yes. but for but for a different for reason, reason but yeah. for a different reason yeah. you know yeah because obviously you know you, you showcased your game at sfge exactly. that was special because it, it was oh, your game oh and, and it, first it, time the world had seen the game exactly and we had the characters there and it was just so exciting because yeah. i Obviously, I was in America too, so it was extra exciting for me yeah. being in the country I've dreamed about going on to all my life, yeah. and being with people that I know. Yeah. It was just unbelievable. I can't top that. But then you go to the arcade club. We did that there, and everyone on the forum already saying 
how are we going to do this next year, Alex? How are we going to top that? And I'm yeah, like, we I don't, don't know. Yeah, yeah it's like we don't. <laughs> I don't know how to top that. Exactly. You'll have to come up with that, not me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm punching my card. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like, listen, you guys can, you guys can figure that one out. Yeah, I'll yeah. be there to rah rah all day yeah. long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. No, you, you are, you are right. I mean, what we did in the U.S. and then what we did in the U.K. Two completely different types of events, mm. but they they marry together perfectly yeah. to create to create I think what you and I w- what we were both after yeah you know in in the in the grand scheme of yeah it. no hiccups man no 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 real hiccups at all I, I yeah. mean uh, you know, I did get locked in the toilet before I went on stage that was really fun because <laughs> I think you said what spine just like in spinal well tap. yeah because yeah five minutes before I went on stage I, thought, I must use the toilet went in there yeah did my piece and yeah. then uh, the, the lock just collapsed on me and I, and I couldn't get out so I was banging on the door and thinking and I was already a little bit tense yes because we'd been stuck in traffic that afternoon and I hadn't had much of a sleep yeah so I was Pretty moody, actually. Yeah. Pretty stressed. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, this this is starting to feel like Spinal Tap here, you know. <laughs> and then, because I couldn't get to the stage either. Well. Because there were so many people. You know yeah. that, that scene in Spinal yes. Tap where they're going round and round, round and round. And Where's round the stage? Oh, yeah. And I started giggling to myself. And the more I giggled, the more I relaxed. Yeah. So then I was like, yeah, sod yeah. it, man. This is it. Let's well, do well, this. It's like it's gonna go. The good thing what is, else could go wrong? Yeah, the good thing is you didn't you didn't disappear and burn up in a puff of smoke no. while you were up on stage. You know, yeah. so everything turned yeah. out all right. It wasn't another drummer. Yeah, you weren't you weren't another drummer. That's exactly right. Oh, that's that is funny. It's bringing back uh, bringing yeah. back memories of that for sure. But yeah, it, I mean, it all went it went all it all went off without a hitch. I mean, yeah. I was I was really surprised at, at just how smooth it was. Yeah. For how organic it was. Yeah. Because if when you when you think back on it, I mean, outside of announcing a time and a date mm. and a location, mm. dude, that was it. Yeah. And everybody just showed up. Yeah. I mean, we didn't do near the media push for no. Cape Club. That we did for SFG. Yeah. We didn't do near the... Because I think you were a little bit worried that there wasn't enough, and I was to begin with. Yeah. But then I just had a sense, I had a feeling that it was going to be good. Yeah. And it, and just it by was. looking on the forum, and there were, there, the thread that I started was just being uh, added to every day. People were commenting on the thread, what time you meet, and, you know, this is going to be so cool, you know. And I didn't reply to any of it because I was so busy. I just yeah. thought... I mean that thread's running itself. Yeah, I mean I've got a, I've got a game to make sure that it, that yeah, will run. Exactly, the thread can take care of itself. And it did. The yeah. thread took care of itself, and people were commenting every day. Normally about where's my ticket? Because <laughs> <laughs> they emailed in? Andy and they weren't getting replies from Andy, but Andy knew he had it all written down. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, just, I don't know. I just had a sense that it was going to be pretty cool and pretty busy anyway. Yeah, you know and. Um, I just got to thank everyone that turned up and supported us because, again, without the community, you know, this wouldn't have happened because there's so many people that have helped me with this, you know. So, with that all done, I'm back to playing the old SNES games now. That's okay, man. (laughs) That's okay. You know, it's interesting because, um, and I I do want to get your take on this as well. I mean, when we finished up with uh, Skyskipper at SFGE, Billy Mitchell came up to me 
Mm. He put his arm around my around my shoulder, and he kind of pulled me off to the side. And he said, uh, "Hey, man, you know, congratulations, you and you and your buddy from from England. He said, mm. You guys knocked this out of the park. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do next? Yeah. And and I I looked at him, and it took me about half a second, and then I said. I don't know that there is no, a next. No, I, well, I, I don't. I don't know how to top this. And people were asking that. I bring that up because people were asking us that question. Yeah. When when we were when we were at at arcade club, and I'm yeah. sure you've heard this. Been asked this several times. I mean, what what do you do next? I mean, how how do you feel about what your next project's going to be? Well, I'm not. For me, it wasn't. It wasn't about all of this in the beginning. See, and, and that, <laughs> and see, and that is exactly where I try to take the conversation yeah. to when I'm asked that question. Yeah. It wasn't done with the pomp and the circumstance, using that term twice in one interview, yeah. which is which is actually pretty ironic. But it wasn't about that is the end result. Yeah. That wasn't. I mean, that's because the story unfolded as we went along. As it that's went what a lot along. of people don't understand. Yeah, it's not like any of this was scripted. I didn't. Scripted. I didn't. Yeah, we didn't. I didn't get the board and go right. I'm going to go to NOA vaults. I'm going to scan it, and then yeah. we're going to put it on stage. Get Billy Mitchell involved. I'm going to get water cut day car. We're going to have a party. Get pissed and go home. <laughs> you know, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. None of, nothing that, none was of that planned. Was pre, none of that was premeditated. It wasn't planned at all. It just the story no. unfolded as we went along. And we just rode the wave, man, you know, yeah. and that was it. So the question is, what are we going to do next? Well, it'd be something completely different. Um, I don't think I'd ever top that. I don't want to top that. I mean, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm not into looking to top it or or do a next best, best thing. I'm quite happy going back to my YouTube channel and um, doing stuff with the community, like I do my game room tours, which people love, which I love doing. Yeah. And going back to playing some games and, you know, just organising more events at UK VAC. And I'm a happy camper. I, yeah. I, I don't need to do anything more. But there are always interesting games that pop up um, or haven't popped up, like Space Launcher Upright. I'd love to see. I'd, you know, we're, oh, actually, we're going to do a big thing at, actually, we are going to do a big thing at Revival next year um, in England with Craig Turner. Um, we're going to have a Nintendo lineup that's never been seen before. So we're going to have Skyskipper. We're going to have a Sheriff Upright. We're going to have a Monkey Magic Upright. Now, or, how, how's the Monkey Magic going to be working? Or do you think it's going to be working oh, by that point? I'm hoping it's going to be working, yeah. Okay. Are plans underway for the boards yeah. to get to get working? Yeah, all of that. Um, okay. We've got Heli Fire. We've got Space Launcher. We've got a load of cocktails. It's just going to be an unbelievable... And well, and a different twist on Nintendo. That I mean, you get a lot of the the cabs in America that we don't get over here, but we get a lot of cabs that you don't get over there. Oh, and that's so, very, that's so, very true. You know what yeah. I mean? So like the sheriff and and stuff like that, and the monkey magic that neither of us got. So exactly. it's going to be something a little bit different that we've never seen before. So I'm really looking forward to that. I guess that's my next best thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And 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 just more meets and hopefully doing like a high score. Challenge at um, at the arcade club would be cool yeah. to get people involved. Yeah. So there's there's plenty of stuff on the horizon, yeah. um, com stuff that's just completely different. Um, as I say, I'm not into sort of uh, putting myself on a pedal stool if you like. I just do stuff because I enjoy doing yeah. this. I love the hobby. You got to have passion for this hobby to, you know, have any interest in it. You know what I mean? Very true. Very very true. And that's that's just how it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, when I look at it, I, I, I fall much in the same boat. I mean, I don't really know that anything can top this. No. And I don't really know that I want anything to top it. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's best that it uh, that it stands on its own mm. where it has landed. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, you go, back to your, you go back to your YouTube channel. I go back to the podcast. Mm. And, um, and we, we kind of... Keep on doing the things we love. Kind of keep on doing the things we love. And, yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely a scenario where um, you mentioned the friendships that have been made. Uh, I mean, Alex, I, I'll, I'll say that is, uh, for me as well, the thing that probably permeates through my mind the most is probably the most valuable thing that has come out of this, this, mm. entire, this entire project mm. is just, you know... Uh, you know, meeting you and, and meeting all the folks over here and, you know, and Ollie and Porchy mm. and just, I just, everybody who's yeah. been involved in this project, um, it's, it's, it's just been, it's yeah. been unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's been so rewarding. Putting, you know, um, faces to names as well that yeah. obviously you wouldn't know who they are. Exactly. It's so much easier now when you, when they comment on something about your podcast or yeah. they retweet you know the name, but you don't know the face. Isn't yeah. that nice now that you've met these it, guys? It, it, and it really is. And, and it's also nice to hear that we can travel 4,000 miles, you know, hop on a plane, travel 4,000 miles, and, and then drop ourselves right into, you know, drop ourselves right into, into a community. Into a community. Yeah. And people say, hey, I listen to your show and I like it. Yeah. Thank you for doing the show. Yeah. And it's like, wow. It yeah. really kind of takes me takes me aback yeah because when when brent and i do the show it's always it's always a bit of a record it push it out and mm. then hope people like it and then comment on it as yeah. stuff comes back in yeah you know podcasting is not really a very interactive medium yeah when it when it comes when it comes to that yeah so to hear that people find value in it and especially away from home yeah that really makes me feel good yeah i, I was i was just it just warmed my heart that's yeah. the best way i know to say yeah. it i mean everybody was just it was just great yeah yeah it was, it was just great it's awesome it, it has yeah. been awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah it has. Because you met awesome. you met Vic as well and Sean from the Ten Pence. Your yeah, your uh, exactly English, exactly yeah, yeah counterparts. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I mean, I'd met Vic before. Uh, yeah, Vic. Oh, of course you have. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, he came to America, but you went yeah. in his arcade. Exactly. Yeah, we Isn't got that cool. Get, we got to go to Vic's house and yeah. play in his arcade. Yeah, and he's got a he's got a lovely setup there. Oh, it's awesome. It is. It's an awesome setup, and then we got to. Uh, Got to meet Sean Hawley. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd never yeah. met Sean. Yeah, but uh, but Sean was Sean was great. Yeah, and Sean was exactly as I thought he would. Oh, really? Be. Oh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Because his his picture on Twitter, his profile yeah, it looks picture exactly the same. Is, yeah, is him yeah. to a T. Yeah, there's no difference. Yeah. yeah, you know, he doesn't look any older. He doesn't look any younger. Yeah, he just looks like Sean Hawley, and yeah. that's the that's the greatest yeah. thing about him. That's but awesome. Totally cool dude. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, all things, all things considered, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you you put the names of the faces and and everything, yeah. everything works. Yeah, everything works from that regard. Well, Alex, I'll say this, man. Um, you know, it's I know it's late, and uh, I've got a flight to catch tomorrow, yes. and I know you've got you've got work to do tomorrow, yeah. and we're doing this at the very end of everything. Yeah, so it's a nice I, way to round it off. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that, mate. I, I thought it I thought it would be as well. Man, yeah. Just uh, an opportunity just to sit down and just reflect a bit yes. on on where we've, we've been done. and what we've done, and uh, just what. 
just what what it's meant to both of us and and i think it's mission accomplished on that yeah. so yeah mate thank you uh thank you for everything yeah thank <laughs> no you worries whitney thank you mate yeah, thanks all... for coming over with all your family oh so. dude i my my family uh jackie and grace have uh, told me no less no yeah. less than 20 times just Let me just much... say what what was your favorite food when you're here did you did you try the scotch egg uh yes you like the scotch egg and the scotch egg and the was, black pudding uh the scotch egg was my favorite yeah the black pudding was actually really good yeah it so for really listeners good. who don't know it's dried beef's blood and um uh, uh, what was it oatmeal oatmeal sorry exactly. yeah oatmeal yeah. forgot that for a minute <clears throat> yes yeah and it very was, good for you lots was, of iron yeah lots yeah lots of <laughs> lots of iron and fiber is what that was yeah yeah so yeah it goes down like a it's girder a, and it's a good start of the yeah, day yeah it's a, it's a great way to start the day wash that down with a beer why oh not oh my gosh I, you'd have to a couple of beers actually in order to work yeah well i'm glad that, glad you, you tried that and a few other stuff well cool. wanted to do that i mean we wanted to take wanted to take everything in yeah and, and like i was saying jackie and Grace both have told me no, I mean, countless times. I mean, I say no less than 20, but it's actually countless because every day we've been over here, we've all looked at each other and said, this is the greatest thing we've ever done. Brilliant. I'm glad this to hear that. This is the greatest trip that we've, we'll, we will have ever been able to yeah. take as a family. And, yeah. and it opened a lot of, it opened a lot of uh, doors for us in the sense of spending time together as a family and just seeing different things. Yeah. And, when I look back on it, I mean, you know, the friendships made through the project, yeah. and just the simple fact that this little unreleased game from Nintendo has drug you and I all the way across the world together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, that's awesome. I'm friends and, for life, and dude. Friends for life. That's exactly yeah. right. And, and that just does not happen every day. No. Nope. So it's, it's all good stuff. But uh, but yeah, dude, fitting in for the Skyskipper project. Definitely, mate. Definitely. Definitely. All right, mate. Well, listen. Uh, thank you for taking the time. And like I say, we've got a. Go ahead and get everything ready for uh, for me and my family to fly out in the morning. And I'd like to say, I know you've got work. So uh, with that, thank you for taking the time and sitting in. And uh, Brent, we're going to go ahead and call this a wrap for the first uh, far and wide segment of the podcast. Yeah. And we'll uh, drop this one on the boat and float it back over to you, dude. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much. So we got to hear a little bit about Skyskipper and uh, the trip that Whitney took to the UK and hopefully heard a little bit from Alex. So like I said, I haven't had an opportunity to listen to that audio just yet. That'll happen when, when I get to assemble the show. I'm sure everybody enjoyed it, however. So you can't have a show without Whitney, but man, it was still a great show with David. And David came almost, back with us. Almost oh. a show without Whitney. <laughs> Almost a show without Whitney. That might actually be a show title here. Let me zip up here. I've already put a couple things in there, and I'll put in almost a show. All right, I'll fix that later. All right, that's a good reminder. But you know, David, I, before we get into feedback, man, I would I really want to thank you for stepping in and taking your uh, taking a time out of your well, not a time some time out of your evening, your entire evening to uh, uh to podcast with me we've had a few technical difficulties and kind of soldiered through that and then the recording time and thank you so very much for for stepping up and helping out oh it's no problem you know I, i'll probably have to go to work here in a couple hours anyways based on how long we've been recording so i'll just, <laughs> I'll just stay here and just roll with it you know well in all fairness you did enter the conversation 
uh, asking if we, we were doing this on a Monday evening and you were pol- you politely asked if we were, would be done by sometime Tuesday evening. So you knew what you were getting into, you know. Yeah. Well, I figure, you know, if the the edited show is four hours, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I'm assuming <laughs> it's a pretty long process. Oh, yeah. So. You don't want to look back there. You don't want to pull that curtain. Yeah. So I'm going to get into some feedback here. Let's uh, uh, just touch on a few things that were sent into the show through the various forms and social media and all that kind of fun stuff over the course of the month. And one of the things that was just kind of got some interesting um, momentum is my air quotes repairs uh, picture gallery that's on Facebook. And uh, one of the recent ones I posted was an interesting control panel wiring job that I came across using not only speaker wire, you know, the kind of the clear married speaker wire. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, speaker wire, which, you know, what difference does it make? Wires wire, but you know, it still it's seems just wire. Yeah, yeah. It's just okay. wire. Um, speaker wire and masking tape. So that was kind of an interesting picture that I had now, David, I don't know if you saw this one, uh, Martin, and I'm going to, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this correctly. Martin Laws uh, posted to our Facebook page. And this was one of the, one not one of the most. It was, it is the most unique lighting mod I have ever seen in an arcade cabinet. And basically what, what Martin found was what looks to be like a, a coach lamp, you know, like that classic like a uh, oh, like yeah. a railroad like, lamp or a coach lamp where it would have like a that uh, kind of stained glass looking thing yeah where it would have like a base which back in the day would have been full of maybe some kind of oil and that would have had like a globe and then like a, oh, like a, okay. you know and you'd held it with on a big hoop and you could swing it like you would see on the side of a stage coach or like a, a, a an early railroad man would use to signal a train well it it, see those all the time. Oh yeah, everywhere, everywhere. Well, it's like a modern interpretation of one of those, like for decor, interior decoration. It's obviously a modern lamp, but it's got that old time look, and it's got a bulb screwed in the middle of it, modern light bulb. Someone had taken one of these things, had taken the globe out of it, so there was no glass. It's still that like that handheld lamp look, which you would probably have set on your desk. And the hoop that you would swing it or carry it or hang it by is screwed to the side of the cabinet, and that is what has become the marquee light in Martin's cabinet. Um, I gotta look this up. Oh yeah, yeah, it's right. It's on our Facebook page, and actually, I took it. And when you post the Facebook page, it, it lands in a, a section kind of off to the side of uh, of posts to the page, and I shared it to the main page. So it's actually out in the main. Uh, um, storyline or stream or whatever facebook calls it these days i've I've lost track but it's it's funny to see but it was also dangerous because i don't know whether they put a fourteen thousand watt bulb in the thing or not but right underneath the bulb is a is a a circle of charred wood where it had gotten hot enough and burned the cabinet so yeah that seems to be a mild fire hazard unfortunately martin found it so maybe replace that with some modern leds or something yeah. Uh, on the Twitter side, there was a lot of Skyskipper pictures from the UK. I mentioned that at the top of the show. So uh, Whitney is the king of, of all that is our Twitter. 
and uh, he, he did us justice with, with Skyskipper updates coming out of the UK. So if you want a quick place to go and take a look at a bunch of the Skyskipper stuff, there's a big album on Facebook. Uh, a lot of cool pictures. A lot of them are out there on Twitter if you go look at, at the Broken Token page. Had a couple tweets from This Week in Pinball, and this was right after the show landed, the uh, episode 59, the show landed for uh, um, September, October, excuse me, September. Jeez. So what, man, on, man. man, it's what happens when you podcast for 14 hours, man. You know, you know, you know, we're, we're in like hour 13 right now. Yeah, so. I know. Uh, after uh, a busy few weeks, I've got a lot of podcasts. This, this is from uh, uh, This Week in Pinball. After a busy uh, few weeks, I got a lot of podcasts to catch up on. Listening at 1.5 times speed, I might have to bump it up to two. <laughs> <laughs> and hashtag chipmunks. Uh, awesome. I, I've had people walk up to Whitney and I at shows and say, oh, this is how I listen to your show. You got to listen to this. And they'll run it at like one and a quarter or one at 1.5. And I guess once you get past us, sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks, it works. <laughs> uh, this Week in Pinball also tweeted as, appreciate the time spent on uh, on the hobbies and love the podcast, guys. And man, we, we greatly appreciate that. It's... Uh, it is definitely uh, for love of the hobby, and you know we really enjoy doing it. Kind of, kind of like what you're doing, Dave. I, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna retire on Expo money, are you? Well, that's what I told my wife. So I really hope it pans out. So, so you're gonna retire single on <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with uh, with about sixty arcade games and empty house. Yeah, that's gonna be. <laughs> Uh, back in early October, we got a tweet from Mark Bell. Uh, long weekend here in Sydney, Australia. So this is perfect timing. And uh, I don't know if I assume he means long weekend, like three days, like we typically have here stateside when we have a you know a late week holiday. And um, if he's got the whole long weekend to listen to our show, he should just about maybe get about one right. episode. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about fair. Yeah, if you tried to binge on your show, I don't know how how long you'd have to take off. Like, <laughs> like a season, maybe. Like, a, uh, you know, I don't know. We've actually had people contact us, Dave, and talk about where they've gone back and listened from show one. <laughs> like, we'd have to do the math on that to figure out how much of your life you've devoted to us in a short. Yeah. In a, you know, it's one thing when you chew, when you chew through that. Uh, every episode a month, but it's another when you when you sign on to start a, an episode one and just go. You get into that ROM burning and you get to the soldering irons and you're like, that's those are hours you can't get back. No, you know? no, no. That's 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 a, those are fans. Yeah, those the, are fans. We we have your hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Phil Shepard wrote in, and uh, he had some stuff to say about the Ghostbusters. Um, I, D- Dave, if uh, uh, do you got any buddies that have Ghostbusters or any of the modern Sterns that's had that ghosting problem with the with like the inserts, the clear kind of peeling up? Yeah, I don't know anybody that's. I know people that have owned them uh, here locally, but they haven't said you know they had the problem. So if they got lucky, and I, and I stare at mine on occasion, and now I've got a premium. Whitney's got a premium. I haven't seen any problems. Granted, mine is super low play. It got a lot of play when it first came out of the box, but it um, 
I mean, I haven't had any issues with it. I, I want to say that Jeff, like over at the Pinball Podcast, his LE started doing it. And I remember one show he mentioned he left for town and came back like almost a week later. And once it had started, it had gotten worse while he was gone with no play. Uh. So it, it I've seen when I first got this, I, I'd looked and it seemed like people thought, well, if you got this run of play field, it did it. Or if you got that run of play field, you did it. Or I've seen pictures of two of the play field side by side where it looked like they were run uh, maybe from different manufacturers where the art was the same, but each of the colors was different. And if you had this one, it would do it. And this one, I, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I never saw any true rhyme or reason to any of it, but um, that's a rabbit hole to go down. Oh yeah, definitely. Research all that. <laughs> oh yeah, it is for sure. And you know, Phil mentions here he was one of the Elliot owners that had uh, that had a bad playfield, uh, had several ghosting inserts, and even chipped clear in his shooter lane. Which that was one of the kind of like wow. the the twists to it. You could have, and this this struck me as odd on on the Ghostbusters. It was always the same insert. It was that Tobin Spirit Guide seemed to be like your leading indicator that you were going to have problems and then in the worst cases you'd get a couple games in and the clear in the shooter lane would chip from the ball being set before each ball and then it would start to blow out at the uh, hole where in the drain under the apron and Mm. in the worst cases you had the shooter lane and that hole the drain hole with the apron but um he first reported to Stern and his dealer back in August of 16, and it took 13 months to wow. finally get a play field. And that kind of surprised me because I remember conversations and posts and, you know, like even Jeff talking about getting a play field months ago. And, and I'm just shocked that it's taken him him this long. And it sounds like just the way the emails worded, I'm not reading it all word for word, that it, he just didn't let it go. I mean, he was on them. So I'm just kind of shocked yeah. that it was 13 months. And Well, I, don't, I think they they stop runs of games and then they pick them back up later. So, I mean, they may not have the parts around all the time. Oh, Maybe well, it's like in cycles or something. Well, not you, to defend them, but, you know. No, I, yeah, I mean, I, but I... I would have thought if I would have had a problem like that, I would have made priority to have, have when I was running the play fields, I would have had a stock, you yeah, know, even that's true. I, I wouldn't want to soak a lot of money that I might have two or three or five, but I'd still have a stock. And I think my LE owners would have been, you know, because they got the games first, they would have gotten fixed first, but I, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, he did mention here, I wish that I'd have taken a side-by-side comparison photo of the two playfields. The color difference was pretty significant. Heard that some playfields were shipped with dull colors, and I never knew that mine was one of those until I saw the new playfield with insanely vibrant colors setting next to my old playfield. And, and that, mm-hmm. kind, that kind of got me thinking because I'd looked back at some of the pictures I'd mentioned that, you know, there was, you know, one color type that was more prone to another color type. And I remember looking online and seeing these pictures and my play field would be what I would have called a little darker of the two types that I'd, I, I, this it's like you said, David, it's a rabbit hole. I, I yeah. don't, I would, I don't know if I've got the mental fortitude 
I, I could record 14 hours for a podcast, but I don't know if I've got the mental fortitude to go back and read the conspiracy theory threads trying to match up all the variants that yielded bad play fields. I, I just don't know. Yeah. But, well, I took the uh, the, Stern, the Stern tour when I went to Chicago, uh, Pinball Expo. Okay, the new factory? And, uh, yeah, the factory tour. And I uh, asked the guy a bunch of questions about all kinds of random things and they uh they get stuff from all different sources like they have different print vendors they have different this and that so it's not the impression i got was it's not necessarily one person even uh even for maybe one title they might get stuff sourced from different locations so i uh, yeah i could i could totally see maybe a different vendor printed different runs mm-hmm. oh i could i could see that as well something. i mean you don't you don't have to diversify for nothing else if the plumbing exploded at your vendor and they had to shut down for a week. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it totally makes sense. If you, if you, have you ever looked at CPR, Classic Playfield Reproductions? Have you ever looked at their website? And in, in, um, there's an article on there where they talk about the process to reproduce a playfield. Have, have you ever checked that out? No, I've seen their stuff, and uh, but I haven't, I haven't been on the website. I, not lately that I can remember. Well, one of the things they discuss is exactly what you're talking about, which is the decisions they have to make because of the different vendors from back in the day. And they'll, they'll show you the same area of a play field from the same game and the coloration's different or even the routing is different. Mm. Or, or it's just, it's just, if anything, it's kind of a cool history lesson. So if you got a chance, go check it. It's not a long read and it's mostly pictures, but it's, it's kind of like, okay, I want to reproduce this. Which one is right? And there's here's the variants that they know of. It's it's just kind of neat. But yeah, so you could you could pull in a a, a playfield that's got stuff drilled differently when trying to swap. I guess from what you have, slightly different locations, or even like some of the reliefs, uh, like so that things are are sunk below the level of the play field or even like where mechan- uh, mechanisms go under the play field and where the relief is cut out for that to go in and how that is cut differently from a different vendor and how it affects stuff on the top side. It, it's well, amazing. that with, with people doing those overlays, I guess, where maybe things don't line up on their oh. the wood they had and they're, they're getting, you know, one of those printed overlays and then they have to make adjustments and stuff i could see that because i mean like if you're doing like a ramp or a wire form that's pretty you got to be pretty darn close but if you're doing like stand-up targets or something like that or uh the inserts or the you can have a lot more wiggle room with those definitely yeah huh well um do you ever played a game with an overlay uh yeah, I think uh I think uh some of the ones that David Yop has at Retro in Memphis, I think he did overlay on on a couple of those. His play really good though. Like he Did he clear he goes, them? Yeah, he clears them. Oh, no, that's probably it right there. Well, yeah, some well actually some have play field protectors, some are cleared. Um I always give him a hard time about the clear cuz anytime he posts uh his <laughs> It's like Facebook uh, in progress photos. There's that turns into a flame war over a uh, clear coat. Like there's, <laughs> there's always people jumping in there. Oh man, you ruined that play field because you use this 
rattle can thing on it and then other people are like you know this stuff's toxic you can't fool around with it and it turns into a big flame war every time he posts something so i always give him a hard time about that so <laughs> <laughs> well i've never met him i've heard the name but if i meet him i'll have to say something about clear coat that yeah so he'll be running the pinball tournament for me so oh, okay uh, cool go over there but, and uh, give him a hard time about that so it's, <laughs> it's one of those uber it's one of those classic uh Ford versus Chevy versus Dodge conversations to the nth degree type things, right? So it sounds like. Yeah, I guess it's yeah, it's the the restoration purist, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the person who um, every game they touch, they go, you know, better than factory, and then it's the the balance of well, you know, then you can't do that to skateball, you know, end up have like a $5,000 skateball machine, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. Just doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. It's, it's like from the, you know, we've talked about like car shows and the like on the show. And I've got a car that, you know, that I've taken around shows. Whitney's got some stuff as well. And it, it, the joke has always been, don't build it, buy it because you'll buy it a lot cheaper than you can build it. Oh and, yeah. Unless it's just a labor of love. And then it, then it doesn't matter, you know, but you're gonna have more money in it than it's worth for, or you can get out of it to a certain degree, no matter what it is. You know, and, yep. And, unless it was the car that, that that is unbelievably famous for some reason, you know, it was Marilyn Monroe's high school car or something like that. You're kind of, uh, but anyway. Uh, let's see. Phil goes on and actually mentions he asked if we'd heard about this sort of mod for the magnus slings on the ghostbusters premium and le's and basically the way to describe it is is you've got a a longer your kind of your standard slingshot rubber that goes around all the posts and then below that is a small little rubber that rides just below it on the post and what you end up doing is you swap those uh, top to bottom so that the longer rubber is on the bottom if I'm reading this right and the smaller rubber is on the top and from what I understand you don't have to take anything apart you just you can take that the longer the standard slingshot rubber and stretch it out over everything kind of scooch it out of the way move the other rubber and then snap the the longer rubber back in place and basically swap them top to bottom and it gives you a little bit more action out of the slingshot because it's quicker to actuate the switch. And, and I'm going to I'm gonna have to give this a try. I remember mentioning right after I, I got the game, there's only one switch in there. Whereas your typical slingshot where you've got the actuator that hits in the middle, there's a switch yeah. to either side. And I like to tune them really close, just right on the edge of, of just like machine gunning. So you get a lot of action out of them. Whereas with that single switch deal, you got to get a little bit more of a solid hit on it, like toward the top or the bottom to get enough deflection to hit it. So, mm. uh, you know, I don't know if this applies to any other games, because as far as I know, Stern hasn't done Magnus Lings yet on anything else. I could be wrong. Uh, did you know, David? Have you seen them on any other games? No, nah, I can't think of it. Uh, I haven't heard that as a. Now that may be something. Honestly, I haven't looked at the breakdown, uh, a feature breakdown for later premium and LE titles. But I'm pretty sure that Ghostbusters was it. If I'm wrong, somebody correct me. But 
Yeah, I have to give it a. That's true. Yeah, I, I don't keep up with the the premium features as much as I, yeah. I normally just see the pros everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, and that's uh, yep. That wraps up uh, the feedback that I wanted to touch on for this week. You know, if you want to reach out to us, of course. Uh, Brent at brokentoken.com, Whitney at brokentoken.com, and then here I'll give you the our social media here in a second. But before I do that, let's touch on the upcoming shows. So, uh, Free Play Florida is November 17th through the 19th in Orlando, Florida, and that's going to be right after your show, Dave. That's, that's probably the weekend after. Uh, let's see, Louisville, and that's uh, wp.freeplayflorida.com. The Little Arcade Expo is coming up, of course, March 2nd through the 4th, uh, 2018, www.arcaderx.com. Texas Pinball Festival is going to be March 16th through the 18th, 2018 in Frisco, Texas, uh, texaspinball.com. And, of course, the show of the show for this show is the Grand Old Game Room Expo. So hit it again, Dave. Where's it at? When is it? All that kind of fun stuff. So Franklin, Tennessee, GrandOldExpo.com, November 10th through 12th. Uh, Franklin Marriott Cool Springs is a hotel. Just a short drive from uh, wherever you're at, I'm sure. <laughs> get around the interstate and come on down. And, and honestly, if you're uh, continental United States, it's walking distance because – Truly, everywhere is walking distance if you've got the time. Sure. I mean, you know, Nashville has a good airport. Yeah, yeah. Hop well, on a plane, come on over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so let me hit the social media stuff. And, you know, I, we'll be out of here. Dave, man, I really greatly appreciate, again, the time that you spent with us or with me. You know, Whitney was here in spirit. And, uh, you know, we hope to do it again. I know uh, we'll see you here in, in Nashville in a few short weeks. And, uh, I'm betting are you gonna make the trip back to Louisville? Oh yeah, I'll definitely be back to Louisville, and uh, hopefully I actually get to see you at my show this time. I know last time I saw you for like five minutes in the hallway, and I think I had a dolly and a whole bunch of sweat off my forehead. <laughs> but this this time I think uh, you're doing the glamorous got, work of a show organizer. Yeah, well we I, we got more help this year, so hopefully I'll be able to actually see some people and say hi and you know. Are you going to have more of a good time? Are you going to set up like a big chair, like a throne, and just like point and grunt and mm, game move? You going to do know, that, or you still to that whole, um, you know, stay on people's good oh, side? Good. Oh, well, so dress I, as I don't know. It's really going to work out. Dress as Santa. Do it as Santa. Everyone <laughs> loves a good Santa. That's... <laughs> I, I'm full of ideas, none of which are worth anything, David. Yeah, yeah I'll one. keep it in mind. I'll let you know if that works out. Oh, hey, one thing I didn't ask about, um, have you been able to finalize any more of your panel discussions? It's something we didn't touch on earlier. Um, I, I mentioned that Whitney and I will be speaking. Have you gotten to the point where you've finalized that and can mention anyone else that's going to be there? I mean, it's it's not really anyone else of your caliber, so I don't know if it's worth mentioning. So there's that. I appreciate that. Thank uh, you. Thank no. you. <laughs> no, um, you know your bread uh, is buttered. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I think uh, some of the guys from Southern Fried may be doing a panel. Uh, we talked about that, and then some of the, the game developers there in Nashville. I know are going to be doing uh, a couple panels, and those those are always fun. Hopefully, people get to um, 
you know, if you if you're interested in what goes into game development, how to get started, kind of you know some of the tools that are out there, uh, some of that stuff will be covered. And um, let's see, the guys from uh, Straight Down the Middle Pinball Podcast, uh, Pinball Show, uh, they're going to be there, and I think they're going to do a pinball review. Uh, kind of like a live review of the show, um, what they normally do for the show. Oh, cool! Um, and yeah, there's there's a few other guests. Uh, we haven't figured out exactly what the topic's going to be, but it'll be stuff along along those lines. It'll, they'll be fun. Hopefully, you know, I'll be making announcements this time so people don't miss them. I think that was kind of one of the things last year. People get into that uh, casino mode where you just lose track of time and yep. you're mesmerized by the lights and you have no idea that the panels happened already so so we'll work are, on that are you, you are you gonna uh, be able to post the the schedule and the and the guests and all to to the website yeah it'll be posted online because and we'll have it uh printed in the uh the program and it'll be printed out posted at the venue as well so cool. uh once you're there for sure and most of them Kind of the schedule is we start them Saturday about 11 o'clock uh, and then run them most of the day, typically just on Saturday. So Sweet. Well, uh, I look forward to being there as, as uh, I know Whitney does. And, um, you know, anybody that, that's out, you know, please please look to attend the panels. Or there, There's always, as I say, there's always really cool stuff kind of going on outside of the main show area and make sure you check out what's available and try to take advantage of it and you know if, if anything if you see Whitney and I out walking around we'll have the show shirts on um, come up say hi and you know shake our hands and we, we lo- we'd love to meet you so alright David so let me close it out here and just tell everybody where they can find us we're on the Throwback Network which is at www.throwbacknetwork.net iTunes uh, please leave us a review. We've we've mentioned it. And, uh, okay, let me just be honest. We've begged for them. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't it, it doesn't put money in our pockets because we've talked about us just doing this for the love of the show. But it does help increase our reach and get us noticed a little bit more and kind of just get the show out there and and help expand the audience and you know maybe bring more people into the hobby. So uh, good things all around. Stitcher Radio. Uh, we're on Xbox Music. We're in the Google Play Store. And of course, Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Broken Token, Twitter, at Broken Token, and of course, the website, brokentoken.com. Dave, buddy, again, I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, man. It was a blast. Oh, yeah. It was a great time, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man. Anytime. And I say that knowing that you're probably going to bail from uh, uh, any show from, because, I mean, that's a, man, pushing 14 hours. When you take your European vacation, then uh, maybe Whitney will call me up and be like, hey, man, you know. So there's always hope. There's always hope. All right, folks. So next time, uh, Whitney's not here, so I'll do it. So until next time, keep your quarters clean and game on. Congratulations. You made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode, they'll actually listen to me for a change. Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with, but I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. 
Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Broken Token. Britt and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes store and on our Stitcher Radio page as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token Podcast would like to thank the only person on staff who has actual vocal talent, Miss Christy Letzi. And that's me. <laughs> Music for the Broken Token Podcast, graciously provided by Hayseed hey Dixie. Head over to their website at www.hayseed-dixie.com for videos, tour dates, merchandise, and to purchase music. I go by Brent or El Capitan. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it, is, out, it is getting late. Oh yeah. no! Trust me. I, yeah. Trust me. You and I will sound like savants when, when I'm done <laughs> with it. Yeah, we'll sound like savants when I'm done with this. Okay. So All right. Like, like I wasn't involved in it. I just heard later that, um, you know, I was probably moving a machine or something crazy. I don't know. I was running around the whole time. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. I was not involved in that incident. <laughs> Very good term. I, yeah. Yeah, do you mind if I borrow that term? I, I, I love it. Yes, I do. Absolutely love that term. Yeah. Uh, cleanse the palate. Hey, you know, you, you inflict that on yourself. Use the Queen's English, boys. Speak for the country. Do that and do it now.